This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Walter Koenig, Chekhov from Star Trek, and you're listening to Trek FM. Risk is our business. It's like nothing we've dealt with before. My golly, Jim, I'm beginning to think I can cure a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in standard orbit, sir. Well, here we are, guys, another milestone, 200 episodes of Standard Orbit. It's hard to believe it's been 200 episodes since Mike and Drew reminded us that sometimes you need the cheese, the title of Standard Orbit 1. That was October 12th, 2013, and since then the show has undergone a few refits, just like the original series crew themselves and their beloved Enterprise, and what could be more fitting than that? when talking about TOS. Although Standard Orbit isn't the oldest of our series-focused podcasts, it is for me, as someone who grew up with TOS long before there was a next generation, an important part of the foundation of Trek FM. The original series is, after all, where it all began. And the fact that I can say that a podcast hitting episode 200 isn't the oldest in our library is a testament to just how many great discussions we've had and the rich exploration of Star Trek that awaits those who discover our network and new people find us every day, even original series fans. So on this special occasion, as the creator and publisher of Trek Film, I want to say thank you to Mike and Drew for guiding the show out of space dock and through its original mission to Norm and Jeffrey for taking it to new places, and to Ken and Zach for continuing the great voyage of exploration. And of course, many great guests from the network and beyond have graced the bridge of the 1701 and Standard Orbit over the years. So a huge thank you to all of you, to everyone involved in helping Standard Orbit reach 200 episodes. So Here's to another 200. Now, let's crack open that Romulan ale. Welcome, everyone, to this very special episode of Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated podcast to the original and new cast of Captain Kirk and the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. And I am Zach Moore, and we are thrilled about sharing this episode with the plank owner. We'll have Ken explain what that is later. Of Standard Orbit. (laughs) Mr. Mike Schiller, welcome home, Mike. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. 
Congratulations on 200 episodes. Yeah, man. I think we've done about 75 of them, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give or take, somewhere in there. Yeah, it's been it's been a good run. But Mike, it's uh, it's good to have you back, man. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to share some stories on this show with you. Oh yeah, me too. Me too. All right, and in addition to Mike, we have the Commodore himself, the captain of Standard Orbit 2.0, Norman Lau. It's great to have you back and in your old quarters, Commodore. Oh, it's great to be back, and it's nice to see that uh, Schmedlap and Umpty have uh, kept my footlocker where it was. I think they actually messed up, though. They, they stenciled something. I'm not sure if it's right or wrong, but they stenciled NX200 on my footlocker. Does that mean something speci- in specific or in particular, or are they it just the same? Could. Yeah, it could. Yeah. We'll have to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought we put one of those temporal locks on your locker there, uh, Norm. I'll have to take a look down there. Oh, <laughs> nice touch, Zach. You touched me in my very, very, very shallow, deep, cold heart. So, no, I'm, it's glad to be back. I'm glad to be back. It's um, always special to come back on Trek FM, especially after um, a bit of time. And um, I'm awfully proud of, of all the work that you guys have done and where we are right now with Standard Orbit. I mean, this is, this is a milestone for, I think, any podcast for any network. I mean, this is a very big number. I mean, 200 is a big number. It is a big number. It's been a journey. To the journey. Oh, it's a different podcast. It's been a uh, long there you go. road. There we go. Everybody, everybody get in there. there to here. <laughs> get their jingles I in. told you I would do that, Ken. Don't be surprised. You did. You warned me. Yeah. Yep, that's correct. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been uh, it's been 200 episodes, and I think reality started to hit Ken and I about a month ago that we were diving towards a significant milestone, as everyone has said. And here we are sharing it with you guys, and along with a very kind intro and overview from our publisher, owner, executive producer, Chris Jones, and a nice interview with uh, Mr. Atos himself, Jeff Harlan, which will follow this segment. Jeff couldn't join us today, but uh, Ken got a chance to, to talk to him and catch up a bit. But uh, let's catch up with you guys a bit. Mike, you've been a busy man on Trek FM. What have you been up to since you beamed off Standard Orbit and brought the ship into dry dock and got your promotion to Admiral? <laughs> well, you know, I've, I, I, I finished up uh, commentary Trek Stars, which is uh, what, what I was doing, you know, um, w- simultaneously with Standard Orbit at the time. And then we uh, relaunched that in a way as um, Stage 9 uh, over here on Trek.fm. Uh, I also uh, produced a show called From There to Here, which I think everyone was involved with, where we looked at all uh, every single episode of Star Trek, 729 episodes for the 50th anniversary. And then, uh, yeah, now I'm doing The Edge, which is Trek FM's uh, disco show. So, yeah. Yeah, I think everyone was involved in From There to Here. That was a crazy undertaking, and, and we somehow pulled it off, huh? Somehow. <laughs> I still... Do not know how. Do you listen? Do you Mike. still listen to every episode every day? Do you, are you? <laughs> I, to be honest, I didn't listen to every episode every day when I was producing it. So there you go. <laughs> Admirals don't do that, right? Yeah. That's right. That's right. You know, it's it's amazing, Mike. I, you know, I, I kind of forgot about that piece of it, and and I. I remember just trying to get everything lined up and all the different people that were coming together for that show. But I always wanted to ask you one question: What the hell were you thinking? There was Man, there was a moment. Was massive. There was a moment because like I had pitched it, and the initial reaction was like, "I don't get it. Why would we do that?" You know, and <laughs> mm-hmm. like there was like one person who was like, "That sounds cool," and then you know like some time had passed and. Like, I, I pitched it again, and still no reaction. So then I recorded a pilot with John. And I, and before I posted it, I was like, 
I could just not do this. If I don't say anything now, no one will say anything about this ever again. But if I post this, then I'm committed for 366 <laughs> days. Should I do it? Should I not do it? And then I hit the button and was like, oh, that was a mistake. You know. <laughs> Is that John Mills that you were that you did that with? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I joked about it on my on my lot because I did I did quite a few and then I also, you know, edited most of the ones I was on. So I was I was pretty involved in a lot of the from near the years that, that I was involved in. And I think I joked on my last one. It's like, I am never watching another episode of Star Trek again. (laughs) (laughs) Which is not, which was a joke, which is not proven to be the case. But yeah, when you're in it like that, you're like, all right, how many today? And you're recording these big blocks. But it was fun. I mean, it's it's really fun to look back on. I'm sure as time, as we get more and more removed from it, we'll look back on it with more fondness and less, (laughs) less cynicism. But yeah, it was, it was a great idea, Mike. So I'm glad, I'm glad you pushed send after all. I bet yeah. you Bichet okay. was the cheerleader on that for you, Mike, because he was really uh, he really stepped up when when that project came around. I think that's when he kind of transitioned into the network a lot more than where he was. Oh yeah, he was extremely enthusiastic from the beginning, and I was like, okay, I have you know an ally here, and if if something falls apart, I can always you know count on him. And yeah, I mean, I think if he wasn't around, uh, I, I don't I don't honestly know if the show would have been completed <laughs> so speaking of big undertakings i mean you have you're doing the edge right now and we have several edge shows how many, how many edge shows are you on personally or involved with mike um well i i guess i'm i'm technically on two uh there's the main show which you know i i usually do like uh news segments at the start of that one just like little 15 minute things where we talk about whatever's going on like outside of the the show itself you know it, but in relation to the show and then um i do the audio commentary show which is tracks from the edge which i i do uh with with max and uh that's kind of where we get to talk about the episode itself so yeah talk about pulling somebody out of dry dock i hadn't heard max in quite a while that works so it's good to hear his voice again he 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 had you know he moved to florida and all this is you know he's 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 had some some crazy crazy stuff going on behind the scenes but you know i'm glad to be back on mic with him for sure yeah it's fun okay commodore now I've been watching from afar, and we've we've stayed in touch here and there. But mm-hmm. just watching you go on Facebook, so I've seen you online with like movie stars. And <laughs> I think you were storming castles in Scotland, amongst many things. So, yeah. what's been going down in your world since you uh, since you left, sir? Well, just to kind of put a marker on this, the last time I think that I recorded with both of you um, in earnest was at the Star Trek Las Vegas convention. We were in a hotel room, it may have been yours, Zach, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. and. Uh, we and Bichet was there and off in the distance kind of lurking uh, Amy Nelson was in the room <laughs> that's kind of when we were kind of soft kind of pitching to her it's like you got to come on the show you got to start working with the network and now she's uh doing some work on Earl Grey and and postcards from the edge which is fantastic because podcasting like, queen she's become yeah yeah I, I poke a lot of fun with that but she's doing a great job so from that point on uh there was there was a little bit of I guess uh, a decision that I needed to make with where I wanted to go with podcasting. And I loved all the work that I've done with Trek FM when I started with Chris on Warp 5 and then worked with Will and then worked with ATOS and then transitioned into Standard Orbit and then worked with you, Zach, and you, Ken. And I felt like, well, I think that I'm at a good point where I can transition out of the network because there was an opportunity for me to start 
something that was very important to me, and that was a show called Blood of Kings on the Fandom Podcast Network, and it was a show about Highlander, which is one of my all-time favorite shows, if not... I mean, I hate to say it on the Star Trek Network, but it's one of my two favorite shows, and one of my two favorite shows is... The other one is not Star Trek. It's Star Trek is in my heart of hearts, but I had to do this. It was a passion project for me, and it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me to work with, like you said, Ken, some of the Hollywood stars from that show, Adrian Paul being the Highlander himself and being able to meet directors and actors and producers and even some of the sword masters and choreographers that have been very good friends with I've become very good friends with over the last uh, 18 months or so. So that's something that's been really, really, really important to me. And then the network has grown and I've kind of softly returned back to talking about Star Trek with another show that we started on the network uh, not too recently called Discoville, which is kind of like a hybrid show talking about Star Trek Discovery and the Orville. And I I think I needed to get back into it just a little bit to scratch the Star Trek itch that I'll always have. And of course, I always support what's happening on Trek FM because this is where I cut my teeth and and I care very deeply about this network and, and the people in it. And here you are. Full circle. And here I am, back in, in the... I don't know, my uniform isn't as... Uh, I don't fit into it as well as I used to. I think <laughs> I put on a little weight. Ah, oh, those stuff always shrink in the closet, Norm. That's, a, that's just the way it goes. That's it's true. not you, trust it's me. It's the universal shrink ray, right? It, it is, it is. And there's there's not much you can do about it. Yeah, this, this is your first time back uh, with us. I think you, you and I had done a Star Trek Beyond home video review, Norm. Uh, mm-hmm. The episode number... Escapes me, of course, Ken. I don't. <laughs> hey, hey, look, people, we have 200 episodes. How am I supposed to remember these off the top of my head? But anyway, I believe it was called Blu-ray Beyond or Beyond Blu-ray or yeah, one of right. those two iterations. Yeah, and yeah, that, I, that I is actually one title, of our. Yeah. yeah. So, so I called it like Blu-ray Beyond, and Ken published it as like Beyond Blu-ray or something, and, and then it's like, ah, <laughs> oh, it's stuck. It's fine. But anyway, no, that's that was a really popular show. I mean, that was a very long discussion, very fun, in-depth discussion. That was about every iteration of release of Star Trek Beyond on home video, and it was really popular. It's one of our most popular shows in the top 10 it still is so well a lot of people i mean a lot of people had a lot of feelings about beyond like whether or not star trek was back to form i think it was i mean it was a fantastic story i loved it and i think that we had a lot of crossover with the the enterprise you know fans because it softly takes place or not takes place but has references to that era of time especially when you see the franklin so and then all the stuff that happened you know with uh, with the warp 5 or warp 4 program at the time so i think that it, it crossed a lot of streams and it was a lot of fun to talk about and yeah i mean if you're gonna collect every single version of that you're gonna be you know really out of pocket but <laughs> as i look around my room i was really out of pocket so well <laughs> 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 bits of the franklins here and there and you know but it was fun thanks for having absolutely. me on that show for sure absolutely so if we could go back a bit, guys, Mike, would you kind of walk us through how you and Drew launched the show back in the day? And then, Norm, if you could discuss the, the handoff of the keys there from, uh, from Mike and the, the new direction for the show. So let's, let's take a look back. Okay, well, um, at the time, start, or well, Trek FM was just starting to uh, produce series-based shows, you know, I think... Maybe To the Journey was the first one, and, you know, there were a couple of others, which were, I think, The Orb came up, and uh, obviously they wanted a a TOS one as well, and uh, Drew was sort of, like, tasked with starting this thing. You know, he, um, 
was the the TOS editor on the network, which I still have no idea what that means. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> because of that, you know, he was sort of like given the the keys to this show, and you know, had to kind of develop it, had to kind of figure out who he was doing it with, and all and all that stuff. And it was in development for a, a very long time, which is why it wasn't the first one out of the gate. And I had just started on the network, you know, relatively uh, recently with uh, Commentary Trek Stars. And the reason why Commentary Trek Stars is on Trek FM has a lot to do with Drew. Uh, he was, we, we, we were kind of like friendly online from, from other things related to Star Wars. And at one point when I came up with the idea for the show, I just kind of put a tweet out saying like, Oh, I got this great idea for a Star Trek show, but I have no time to do it. And um, Drew said, "Oh, well, why don't you, you know, sell it to Trek FM?" <laughs> and I'm like, "That's that's a good idea. Like, if I could get on Trek FM, like that would be reason for me to be on to do another show, you know." So at at Drew's urging, we created a pilot, and at Drew's urging, we basically submitted it unsolicited to Chris. And since it was unsolicited, Chris was kind of like, well, we don't do this stuff, but whatever. (laughs) At some point, I'll take a look at it, whatever. And it was Drew (laughs) who said to Chris, like, look, these guys, they kind of know what they're doing. You might want to give it a listen. I think it might be something that we could use, you know, that sort of thing. And Chris listened to it and was like, oh, yeah, I like it. Come on board the network. So... Like, Drew's the only reason why I'm on Trek FM. So a few months later, when he came to me and said, hey, would you want to host this this uh, TOS podcast with me? I was like, uh, that seems really outside of my wheelhouse, but, you know, if, if that's something you want me to do for you, I'll do it. Like, literally, if anyone else had asked me to do this show, I would have been like, no. But for Drew, I was like, okay, I can do that, you know. So we recorded a pilot. Um, originally, we had sort of a, a, a bit of a different uh, thing going on, and that didn't quite uh, work out as we had planned, so we, we ended up recording a second pilot. Yeah, that network cut said it was too cerebral. I had to go back and add some more action. Got it's, it? Yeah. it's very, very meta when you think about it. But, uh, yeah, once we got that going, um, then, then, yeah, then, then it was, you know, Full speed ahead, I guess. There's a fist fight between Mike and Drew. Yep. And then someone tore Mike's shirt and said, okay, we can sell this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. It worked out well. Yeah. How, did, how did the name come about, Mike? Uh, Drew had come up with that before I was on board. I honestly don't know how he came up with it, but I, I, I thought it was a pretty good name. Yeah? yeah. No, it fits perfectly. And yeah. it, it took me a really long time to find... An episode where Sulu says "standard orbit." By the way, because I have that in our intro now, oh, okay. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't say it that often. Just for the record. <laughs> yeah, Drew put that original intro together, and I was like, "Oh man, this is so clean. This is so perfect." You know, like mm-hmm. I don't know. There, there tends to be a, a thing with with the in- podcast intros where they're like heavily overproduced and have like a whole bunch of stuff just thrown in on them, and 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 I loved how Drew's sort of like mimicked the opening and closing of an episode of TOS. I thought it was uh-huh. spot on. And, uh, yeah, I had nothing to do with it, but, but I absolutely loved it. That was all Drew, yeah. So uh, so 
kind of got the the good history of, of how it started and where it went and let's let's talk about kind of the transition mike from from you to norm and how you guys got together on this and then norm where you took the show well um <laughs> since since it was outside of my wheelhouse since i was like i don't know if i have that much to say about the original series you know in in my head like internally and i mean this is like a thing that i do, i still do this to this day where it's like you know, you get that thing, I forget, there's a name for it, I don't know, like podcast fatigue or something like that, where, uh, like, or uh, podcasts just sort of disappear, you know? Like, people mm -hmm. do them, and then they lose interest, and then they get busy, and then they're just gone. And I, I, I've always been very conscious of that and never wanted that to happen and sort of have always, like, entered a podcast with, like, an out point, you know? Like, with, with commentary Trek stars, I was like... We're going to do seven seasons of 26 episodes each, and then after that, it's going to end. You know, and, and that was always the plan from the beginning, and that's what we did. For this one, I was like, okay, 80 episodes of the original series, uh, 22 episodes of um, you know, the animated series, and eight movies. That's 110. Okay, I can talk about TOS for 110 episodes because there are essentially 110 episodes of TOS. So I mentally said to myself, like, at 110, I'm out. That'll be my last episode, 110. And then that's what we did. And luckily, I mean, because I didn't know, I, like, I was like, this is going to be a tough conversation with Drew. But, like, a few months before, Drew's like, I kind of feel like I don't have anything else to say about TOS 2. And I'm like, good, 110? And he's like, 110, let's do this. <laughs> so then it became, you know, sort of like finding our replacements because we knew like unlike you know Trek stars where it's like this thing's gonna end you know and, and like we brought this to the sh to the network no one has any interest in this outside of the two of us it's gonna end when we end it but with standard orbit of course it's gonna keep on going forever right so it wasn't just about ending the show it was about finding someone to replace us and we had lots and lots of long conversations involving Chris and everyone else and in the end, we, we finally came up with Norm, who then brought on Jeff. So, yeah, we asked Norm if he would do it, and Norm said... Let me see how I can work this into my schedule with Trek FM. Honestly, I, I wanted to jump at the chance, because Mike and Drew, they both reached out to me, like private messenger or something like that. And they said that they were transitioning out of standard orbit, and I think you brought me on like around like episode like 100 or something like that. Just to test the waters because you were kind of counting down towards the end to your 110 and wanted to kind of soft introduce me into your audience. And at that same time, though, I was thinking, well, I'm I'm hosting Warp 5 and I was doing that with Will, Will Wynn, and he was kind of transitioning out and I didn't really have a stable co-host. So I started bringing in Jeff. Uh, Mr. Atos to the network. Everyone knows him as Mr. Atos. And he was working with me there. So by the time I actually had Jeff settled into Warp 5, Mike and Drew were trying to transitioning out of Standard Orbit. And he goes, you want to do it? And I said, well, I have the perfect guy. I mean, I, I don't think that I would have been able to do it without Jeff because Jeff is a walking, talking Trekopedia. That's what he does. You know, that's all he does. No, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> not really. Uh, that, that, but that's, he's, he's always kind of like, you have to have when you're podcasting, at least when you're doing a co-host show, you have to have someone who drives the show from kind of like a timing and, and a motivational standpoint. And then somebody you can always go, what do you think about that, Jeff? And then he can just go. 
just, you know, unscripted. He can just talk about Star Trek, especially the original series, all day long. So there was that trying to trying to balance that out and then trying to find as as Mike and Drew were trying to find their transitional team, I would have to try and find my transitional team. And that's where Floyd and Mike came in uh, to just kind of uh, soft transition into the Warp 5 hosts, especially Floyd. And then I could go off and do Standard Orbit. So I, until that happened, I really didn't feel comfortable saying yes, but I wanted to. I really did. I thought, this is Standard Orbit. This is the original series. This is what I cut my teeth on as a Star Trek fan. And everything that I do uh, that's Star Trek related somehow relates back to the original series, whether it's I talk about it or I do a Shatner-esque impersonation or, or try and just return everything back to the series that I love and the movies of the series that I love. So I wanted to do it. I had to do it. I just didn't know exactly when that transition was going to happen. But I had 10 shows to do it because that's when kind of like Mike put the clock on, on that decision process. And I was like, well, okay, I'll get it all done. And I did. And it was terrifying, to be honest with you. I mean, it's terrifying to step into talking about the original series. Probably one of the longest talked about shows like in the history of science fiction, maybe next to say like Doctor Who or The Twilight Zone, because it's been on for, well, it was on for three years, and then it just cascaded into this 48-year legacy, right? You know, uh, three plus uh, 40, 48, right? Or 47. 47. Um, 47. So what do you say? Uh, what do you say on a show that hasn't been said before on other podcasts or just in conversation? So I always found that looking down that kind of that road of how I'm going to create content or what I'm going to say or what I'm going to talk about or create subject matter that people care about or maintain Mike and Drew's audience because it wasn't my audience that I was coming into. It was theirs. All credit and where credit is due, it was their audience. I had to bring that, um, that energy level and the, the quality of, of their shows into my shows. And that's also kind of terrifying because I don't want to lose their audience either. You know, it's like a stylistic shift sometimes when you take over shows because they had, Mike and Drew have a very specific way of, they, of doing their shows, and I wanted to bring something new. But does bringing something new also bring risk to the show? But risk is my business, right? <laughs> if you didn't say it, Zach would have. I know. Wait, I was baiting him so hard. <laughs> All these quotes are flying through my head. i got to contain myself. But, right. but yeah, you don't, you, I, I hear what you're saying, Norm. You don't want to be the Joel Schumacher to the Tim Burton, right? So. I didn't say that, but that's okay. Hey, Batman wow. Forever is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you, you don't you don't want to lose the momentum. You want to continue at least maintain or gain momentum, especially for the network, because for all intents and purposes, we want to keep the network subscribership continuing. So in a way, I felt a lot of responsibility in so many different facets of just saying, yes, I'll do an original series podcast. Why not? Because when you're experienced podcasters, you're not looking just at the subject matter. You're looking at all of the requirements that come along with a podcast, you know, running a weekly show, doing the content, blocking the show, making sure that the audience is taken care of the social media aspect of it, all of it. So I think that was the first time where I didn't just say like, yeah, and just jump into it. I was like, uh, okay. Because I, I felt a great responsibility about doing that show, especially carrying on a 110 episode legacy right that's not an easy thing to do yeah those were those were interesting times it was um it was a lot of fun because i, I you know norm um i met norm and i met jeff 
on the very first roundtable. And I had been part of the network in terms of kind of being in the background, um, you know, a little bit of financing, things like that, just, just kind of hovering there, associate producer type credit type stuff, just a big fan and a big listener. And then we did that, that show. And I remember I was, I remember actually I was, I was working at home. I, I think I was doing something really, you know, fun and exciting, like cleaning my garage. Mm. And I had downloaded the, the latest version of, of Standard Orbit. And, and I was, it was when the announcement came. And uh, it was kind of like, hey, there's this surprise that's coming. If you, if you go back to that episode, which was like 101 or 102, somewhere in that range where, where this stuff was coming, I remember it was like, oh, who are they, who are they picking to, to do the show and then surprise you know at the end of the show you had you had Norm and Jeff on it which I thought was really cool and I, I think it was maybe a couple of weeks after that Norm I got a note from you about um, coming on board as an editor and helping out which I just relayed in the story with Jeff which was pretty funny because I am the farthest thing from a, a technical expert and an early adopter right <laughs> but I was like yeah okay uh, I, I could try that and then uh, was was brought on as the the guest um, for uh, uh, pretty much most of the shows, and it was it was a lot of fun because it kind of it kind of eased that transition into podcasting for me. It also almost probably destroyed the show. Um, <laughs> the the first the first the first two cuts of when you guys when 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 Norm took took the helm with Jeff were pretty rough. Uh, I re- I remember um, you know this it's a brand new show. They bring me on board. I've never edited a thing. I was literally on YouTube uh, after I downloaded this software going, how the hell do you do this? I was watching the training videos that, that Chris met. You know, Chris is awesome, and he's very thorough in his training, but there's an assumption that you know a little bit about this 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 work that you're going to be doing. You know, and he's using terms that I'm, again, looking up on the internet. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember the first show that we cut – uh, Chris was like, "Oh, Ken, what did you do?" And then you know Matt Rushing got involved, and I'm and I'm on these these skypes going across to Japan and then over to the West Coast trying to recalibrate it. And then you, you, I wasn't on the next show; it was one you did with Larry Nemechek and one other guest, and they used a different format completely. I was ready to just crawl into the desk and suck my thumb. Oh, that's right. I was like, to... "Oh, I'm so sorry. I put a four track on you." <laughs> it was bizarre. Right? It was it was crazy, and uh, I, I I remember those times so well because you know obviously you want a smooth transition as much as possible so in the background i i was kind of there and 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 kind of saw the whole thing go and then started finding that rhythm you know you, you with everything there's a trick and you start to figure out that trick and you understand what what ducking truly means and and the work that you have to do to get the quality of the recordings on this show are incredible right across trek fm they're they are so good. You listen to any other podcast on any other network, and it's it's hard to find the the caliber of the the quality. I mean, they're just so smooth to listen to. So it was it was kind of a a stressful but but fun time. And I think that uh, it was you know three person show is what it became to a to a large degree, which really uh, tested my my editing prowess as as time went on, and that was really fun. But um, then, then came the other side of it because, I don't know, we, we, we did about six months worth of show. I think it was January through, through June. And then I got word that once again there was going to be some changes, that, that Norm was going to go and, uh, and, and really move and, and drive towards Highlander. And then Harlan, uh, for his credit, 
you know, his life was taking a, a turn for the positive where he was going for his uh, teaching certification, and he needed to dedicate that time, obviously, uh, to be a full-time uh, teacher in, in California. So it was one of those things where, uh-oh, uh, this is going, and then out of left field, uh, Chris comes back and says, hey, you, you want to stay with the show? I said, absolutely. I want to keep going. He's like, great. You're going to be working with this guy named Zach Moore. And my answer was, who? <laughs> and that, I'm sorry, who? <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, I mean, just to add a little stuff, you know, I, I think at that point, you know, when when Norm and, and Jeff are leaving, Chris is like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got Ken, but, you know, we need a, you know, he can't just talk to himself, you know, for however many episodes. <laughs> And I think at that point in time, I forget what it was. Correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, but you were like, you were editing previously on Trek FM, right? Yeah, I did. I did previously on Trek M for about two plus years. That was my first. Like, I saw Chris posted a note on Facebook. He's like, "Hey, I need uh, editors to help us out." I'm like, "Oh, I can do that," because I'd, I'd been a big fan of the network and and had wanted to kind of get involved. And so I've been doing that kind of behind the scenes for a while. Yes. And you, uh, we had you on something. What 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 was the uh, first thing you were on? It was it was a uh, commentary Trek stars or commentary track stars or com- commentary track something probably, stars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of Fast and the Furious because you were talking about Justin Lin being the new uh, director for Star Trek. Okay, yeah. So at that point, like I I had podcasted with you, and and I think I don't know if we were on a couple of other things or whatever. I don't remember the exact timeline, but I remember going to Chris and saying, like, uh, you should check out Zach. You know, he, he, he you know, knows what he's doing. I, oh, I think you. that he would be a good <laughs> a good fit. I'm like, I don't know if he's a TOS fan or whatever, but, yeah. And then he, I guess he did. And Yeah, he, he messaged me, and he's like, hey, Zach, thanks for all the work you're doing behind the scenes. Uh, we have, we're going to have some more changes to the network. We have some show openings here. I think Warp 5 was one of them. Uh, and then also standard orbit. And I was like, well, I'm definitely, I'm not, I'm in no way qualified to talk about enterprise. Cause there's a lot of this still, I still haven't seen, uh, to be honest. So I'll, I'll get on that norm. Don't worry. But, uh, <laughs> I didn't say anything except with my eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm like, oh yeah, TOS. I grew up watching the TOS movies. I mean, I grew up, I, I always refer to myself as a child of the next generation, but, uh, I grew up watching Next Gen and the TOS movies. Like those were my Star Trek, and then of course, you know, watching reruns of, of the original series. And my parents had taped off TV over the years, so yeah, I, I've definitely, I, I feel like I could definitely come on and, and talk about the original series. So I was like, sign me up, man. Like I don't have the time for it, but I will make the time <laughs> to talk about Star Trek, the original series on, on Trek FM. So that's because that's what I've been, I've been really working towards. I wanted to get involved in the network, and I'd have my own podcast and still have it. Always hold on to Smallville, which I talk about. You know, Norm, you mentioned Highlander's your favorite show. Well, Smallville, if I had to, like, uh, have I had to, like, say, what is your one favorite show? I'd say uh, Smallville, but Star Trek's right after that. <laughs> so, sure. Well, uh, I mean, we, we kind of have, we have kind of like this, uh, a very small, you know, um, top of the mountain kind of thing for our fandoms, right? Mm-hmm. And every, at any given one point in time, like, one will rise to the occasion over the other. You know, I, I feel more this, I feel more that. But, yeah, we're we're kind of like in that, in that, uh, that same situation where, yeah, there's uh, there's always Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek will always be like in our DNA. It'll always bring us comfort, and and we can always turn on something, and we're like, yeah, I needed that. It scratched that itch. But then there was always something else that kind of appealed to us. And I know it's funny talking about that on again on on a Star Trek show, but I think that's just in in fandom in general. There's, I think Star Trek is great because it's a great binder for fandom. Like everyone that I know at least knows Star Trek. 
they're not experts at it. And then when you get to the experts of Star Trek, you kind of get to that next level of fandom. Sometimes you don't want to jump that deep into the pool. But at least from baseline conversations around the water cooler, it's nice to be able to talk about Star Trek. And still to this day, a lot of people that I know, maybe it's just the age range, they still talk about Kirk, Spock, McCoy, you know, the original series stuff. I, I rarely get into conversations about Next Generation, definitely not Deep Space Nine, hardly ever Voyager, and never about Enterprise. So I still think that the original series has it has great legs, great longevity, and people can still look backwards at it and even forwards at it at the same time because of the Abrams movies. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. Um, and, you know, I had been in the Standard Orbit was my favorite show in the network, you know, so thanks a lot, Mike, for bringing me on. I was like, oh, cool. The, the guys from the original guys from Standard Orbit are bringing me on the network. So so I really I really appreciate that. The opportunity you're opening the door there with Chris and, and here I am. And now I, now I talk about Star Trek every week with Ken over here. So and we yes. uh, <laughs> see what you didn't know, Zach, right now. I didn't know until this podcast any of that background. But it makes sense because, you know, as as well as a host and producer and all the other titles that we have, I also do all the accounting for the show. So I know that a lot of my royalties go to Norm because, you know, he pulled me in and all that other stuff. But I've always been sending this wire to some place in, in Illinois. I never knew why <laughs> until now. And that's why, you know, that, that, that portion of, of your subsidies just, just kind of go that way. Yeah, you so didn't know that so. Smallville actually did exist. <laughs> no. I, oh, so that's that's pretty cool. So I, I, I mean, I think there might, I, I, you know, I mean, I don't want to uh, say, you know, say anything bad about your accounting skills, but I think maybe you got the routing number wrong or something like that because <laughs> okay. I'm looking over here and, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I've got the routing number right. I just I, th- um, I think a percentage nothing to route. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's all. I think a percentage of zero is still zero. So I think you're that's okay, right. Mike. Fair. But uh, that's fair. but yeah. So but but you know the, the great thing about the transition time for for Ken and I when we took over the show was uh, it was right around the time of Star Trek Las Vegas. So we all kind of like for me anyway that was like oh cool that, that was great to, to meet everybody in person and then we were all kind of all there together and that kind of launched and forged this this new chapter of, of trek fm together and it, all, all four of us were there and spent a lot of time together and it was really awesome to yeah, that's the once in a life i call it a once in a lifetime opportunity i know that star trek las vegas is every year but for the 50th anniversary so many people came out that would not have come before and might not ever come again and it was just a great nexus if you will of, of star trek fandom so God, look at yeah, all the out, references that he's throwing in god <laughs> mm, but it was it was it was crazy timing because a lot of you know, listening to the show, to all the shows on the network for so many years at that point, it was hard to believe that a lot of these folks had never met each other. It's it's just incredible, you know, that they've been doing just this, talking over over the internet uh, to to everybody, recording locally, and and hadn't been face to face. And the chemistry with so many of these folks was was solid from show to show. So for us to all come together there. Uh, to kind of you know get to meet everybody was just incredible, and you know I actually got to meet Zach before we did a show, which is incredibly rare uh-huh. in 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 the way things work on this network. So yeah, that 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 was pretty neat. And I'll tell you, I think that that each individual type of approach to the original series, its movies, and the new movies have um, have really helped the longevity of this. And one of the things that that Zach and I have been seeing, and we. You know, we track everything, you know, we make sure we launch by a certain time during the day because we, you know, we hit this certain thing. And, and you know, um, ever since Drew and Mike launched it, it's it's this show is like a big start of the week for a lot of people. I mean, we get a lot of feedback. Monday mornings, we start our commute with Standard Orbit. And they have for a long time. And that's that's really cool. So we, we really just try to stay on top of it. But one of the things that's really exciting is 
not only do the new shows still do fairly well, Discovery's kind of eaten into a lot of shows, I think, in, in, the, in the short term, which makes a lot of sense. But if you look back, the catalog and the downloads from the, the historical shows is through the roof. I mean, Mike, your very first episode it still gets hundreds of downloads a month. It's incredible. Yeah, it's you know, from, from October 2013. I, I don't right? think I have any other show like that that does that that's weird <laughs> yeah yeah well that I, I guess that means you know people keep keep finding this and it's it's gotten you know and it, it makes sense to me as as the number of episodes expand and you find new listeners and it expands people go back and uh you know and they and they want to listen to the shows again and you can see it you know if you if you go in there and you just kind of download the statistics and the numbers it's just incredible um how much longevity and it's almost like as we were kind of rebranding Standard Orbit. People were rediscovering all the other elements of Standard Orbit, and that, that's really cool. I guess that's the, the, the Iris Stephen Bear thing where everyone, you know, asks him, like, you know, what do you think about, you know, Enterprise or whatever, and he's always like, I hope it does really well because if people watch that, then they're going to go back and find Deep Space Nine and watch that some more. I mean, it does make sense. So So thank you guys for... Creating interest in uh, in in this show so that other people will go back and and hear what what Norm and I have done in the past. Andrew, and Jeff, yeah, those, and all those of our and all of our crew. Yeah. No, but I, I completely agree with you, Mike. Uh, when because Ken and Zach are getting such great numbers on their new shows, and Ken, we used to we used to do this all the time. We used to take a look at the numbers like every week, the mm -hmm. download numbers, because you know we're we're we have that analytical part that like seeing those numbers grow and, and, and drive the reasons why. But because when people say, hey, this is neat, then I have friends that'll think it's neat. And then most times, more often than not in fandom, a lot of us are completists. So we'll go all the way back and discover. <laughs> we throw discover or discovery a lot in the <laughs> show out there. But we will, we'll, we'll, we'll go all the way back and say, hey, you know, this is, this is where it all started. And it's neat to see how fandom comes all of that data because they want to find bits that they've never even considered or talked about or thought about or even found new directions in appreciating the fandom. I think that's one great thing about having different crews on not just this show but on all the shows on Trek FM. Perspectives are always a great thing and the changing of perspectives because you want to see the different facets of the fandom. The way that I saw TOS isn't necessarily the same way that Mike and Drew saw TOS. The way that Jeff sees it is a completely different way than I think any of us see it. He sees it in like the Matrix long form, you know, and then Ken and Zach, you see it differently. We all see it from different eyes. So I think that the listeners also kind of feel that in the flavor of the shows. And maybe that's uh, actually not maybe. I think that's actually one of the true successes of this show is that you have generations, if you will, of the way that we see the show. And I think that's very refreshing when when you want to hear different opinions about something that you like. Yeah, I, th yeah, well said. I, I think the different perspectives is what gives it its longevity. You know, like like you were saying, Mike, like, okay, 110, I think I'm, then I think I'm spent. You know, I, I'm very fortunate <laughs> that we have the, the Kelvin <laughs> timeline movies. Uh, hopefully we have some more. But uh, that's opened up a lot more conversation for, for Ken and I. And, and those shows actually do great numbers. You know, you tie in the 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 Kelvin timeline, the JJ movies, and and beyond. Um, and and you know, it's it's less. And just to to circle back around to what you guys were saying, I, I guess you know, Norman, you're saying, oh, it's intimidating. And for me, it's like, well, 
there's already been a change, so it's not quite as intimidating to be like the second uh, change. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I'm a big Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan, so you got like, your Joel fans and your Mike fans. Uh, I'm a Mike fan because I, I found the show with, with Mike Nelson, so he's he's my guy. But then, like, from the Mystery Science Theater 3000 came back, you have Jonah. And you're like, well, they already changed the host once, so it's really not that big of a change. So I mean, that's why I was like, okay, well, it's 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 a precedent now. It's established that you're not you're not the George Lazenby, right? We're the we're the we're the Roger Moore, I guess. <laughs> Uh, technically, yeah. yeah, because Mike would be Sean. Oh, thanks. I would be Lazenby. Thank you very much. And then, wait, and then you guys would be Sean again. And then, oh, I guess so. Right? <laughs> you, you can be Sean Connery. I'll be Roger Moore. There's nothing wrong with Lazenby. Nope. He's nope. the worst part of that movie, though, which is a great James Bond movie. Just throwing that out there. All right, can pivot this okay. back. It's a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things I, I have to say, what I love about Mike is um, the way he views things. Every time he talks about any movie, he always makes me think differently about it, and it's a, it's it's incredible the, um, the, the your approach to things, right? And and how much you like Into Darkness is a great example, right? The it's it's almost universally, I guess, accepted as a as a pretty good sci-fi movie, not a very good Star Trek movie. All these other things, but yet, you know, I, I listen to you and your passion on that, and I go, oh, okay, that's that's a great perspective. And it doesn't matter what it is, um, you you always kind of curveball it, and you go, oh yeah, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. No, I know I know that that's weird, and I know that Into Darkness is you know something that people aren't very big fans of. I, I personally love the movie, you know, quite a bit, and I don't understand the hate, but like that's what I want to hear on a podcast. Like, right. there's I think this tendency, and I've noticed this like with especially fan podcasts, which this is a fan podcast where, and understandably so, you're like, I'm a fan of TOS. I want to go and hear, you know, other people's um, talk about this thing that I'm a fan of, you know? And you come here and you're like, hey, Star Trek, it's cool, right? Yeah, high five. <laughs> and, you know, certainly there's a lot of that going on, obviously. But, like, I don't know. I mean, like... It, it cuts both ways where, you know, you, you, like if, if I hated Into Darkness, right, I would want to hear someone talk about why they think Into Darkness is a great movie because I want to see what it is that I'm missing in there. But right. but also, like, I want to be challenged the other way, you know, like I want to hear everyone's criticism of Into Darkness to see if I have some sort of weird blinders on or, you know, and, and, and usually when I when I hear that criticism, you know, it makes me appreciate the movie more because I'm like, no, it, it holds up. Like, it's not that I'm missing something. It it holds up. I see what they're saying. I just disagree mm -hmm. with them. And that's that's actually something which I found that, like, people tend to not like. Like, you know, I mean, here's my take on TOS, right? I think that it's one of the best series in television history, right? I think there's, like, 25 great episodes and then like 25 good episodes and then like 30 bad episodes and people yeah. will be like how can you say it's one of the best shows in television <laughs> history if you don't like 30 episodes and the way that i can say that is because those 25 great episodes have changed my life you know so right and you know, i don't care about the 30 bad episodes like you need to work through stuff. Okay, fine. You know, <laughs> give me 30 bad episodes as long as you give me those 25 great ones. And I, I don't know. I, I think that that's really 
interesting. And like one of the things which we, you know, sort of like we're always, uh, <laughs> you know, dealing with when we were on, on uh, Standard Orbit was, you know, our, our dislike for season three. And people are mm-hmm. like, like, oh, see, what do you mean? How can you not like? Because they're bad guys, you know. I mean, I don't know what you want me to say. And, <laughs> but I, I, but I mean, like, as some, like, if I were someone who was a fan of season three, I'd want to hear the the TOS podcast where they talk about how they don't like season three because I think that would be an interesting conversation. I don't know. That's just me. But I found that that's not what people like, really. I don't know. It's, so I'm glad to hear. That 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 you uh, appreciate my love for Into Darkness, Ken, even if you don't like it, and 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 I appreciate your 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 hatred for it. So. <laughs> I don't. I, I never. I never said I hated it. <laughs> but yeah, that that is kind of funny. But you know, if you think about it though, Mike, uh, you look at the four of us, all four of us, and I really don't know what your favorite Star Trek movie is. If you if you want to tell us, that'd be good. But I don't know what I it can is. tell you. It's Star Trek 09. and I've gotten so much Trek, crap okay. for that. And you know what? Whatever. It's a great it is movie. what it is. I can't help it. I didn't no, make that, the movie. That's movies. a valid answer. Yeah. Oh, it's a very valid answer. It's a great we'll movie. And I think. Yeah, but I mean, you, you want to talk about diversity, right? You've got you got Star Trek two with Norm, which is his favorite movie of all time, at least up until when we. We're doing the show. Star Trek: The Motion Picture is mine. People look at me like, what? I can totally <laughs> and understand then you've got, that. Yeah, and then you've got you've got Zach who likes Star Trek three for all great that reasons. That I can't really understand at all. I'm sorry. Zach. There you go. See, right? <laughs> so those are those are the discussion, and and I think that um, it's it is that diversity of thought and views on things that that make this show fun because we're not always in lockstep, and uh, and can talk about things differently. And I also find that the feedback that we get on the Babel conference that's what starts a lot of the interest, the more interesting conversations is when you might have a contrarian view. Uh, to to what the to what the the norm is, and and that's what makes it fun. That's what absolutely makes it fun for me. Yeah, I think uh, that that is a big deal. And we always talk, you know, we always poke fun about, you know, Ken's older than me, so we're we're we we approach Star Trek from different points of view. You know, a little. He's a little bit older than me. He's a few <laughs> a few years older than me. So you know, it's something that that he kind of saw evolve. Like, oh yeah, I was in the theater in 1982 and 1979. I'm like, yeah, I, I watched them all in a day. On VHS when I was a kid, <laughs> so I th- that that helps us bring different perspectives. I, I like to see it as uh, any any good uh, broadcasting podcasting team. Ken is like the play by play guy, and I'm like the color guy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, man. What about this? You know, <laughs> and Ken's just keeping it the straight and narrow. You know, steering the ship. But uh, but th- th- this is a that's a cool segue into something else I wanted to talk about. Uh, you know, it's 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 fun reminiscing about you know the show itself, Standard Orbit. But you know, let's get into a little bit of Star Trek talk here. That there was an amazing thread. Started by our friend Brandon Shea Mattel, a friend of the show. He, he's co-hosted with us uh, quite a few times here on Standard Orbit. And uh, he started a while back in the Babel Conference, and it was about people's unpopular Star Trek opinions and uh, you know preferences that, that go against the grain of average fandom. And I thought it'd be fun to just bounce around a few with the four of us here since we have you know these these different perspectives as we were talking about. So so I'll start. I'll just throw out a couple, and then we can just kind of see where this goes and bounce it around for a few minutes. Uh so for for Star Trek, right? As as we said, Star Trek three. For Star- yeah, we're going to talk about Star Trek. <laughs> we preface that, uh, but uh, for Star Trek three, that's my favorite, and th- I'm sure that's odd for people. As as Mike said, it, it was like what? <laughs> but my favorite Savic is Robin Curtis. I like Wait. Robin Curtis more than Christy Alley. I know that's like what? 
<laughs> so uh, there's un- a couple. <laughs> unpopular opinions in terms of what? Like what's kind of like what's the metric on this? Like, well, you know, just just general accepted fandom. Like, oh, Enterprise is bad, right? You know, I mean, that's that's uh, like if you go out like Man on the Street. Like, well, Voyager and Enterprise are terrible, and Deep Space Nine's weird because they don't they don't go anywhere. And you know stuff stuff like that, you know, or, or so so or, or like okay, so there's another one for me. Like like I like Doctor Pulaski more than Doctor Crusher. Right? What I know, right? It's weird, <laughs> right? But I'm saying stuff like that. When when you say something, a fan and another fan's like, what? Yeah, but you're just skewing this about. whole thing, man. I mean, you're you're young. <laughs> I don't care if you have a beard or not. You know, I, like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'm mirror universe Zach today, as as has been noted by everybody. But so 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 I don't know. I, I think was, that was a really fun thread, and I don't know if you guys have any. What do you, what do you, what are some of you guys like points of Star Trek preference that when you tell somebody else, they're like, "What are you talking about, man? Are you serious?" So Ken, Ken, what, what do you got, man? What, what what comes to first for you? I don't know. It's it's funny because we just had kind of a, a long conversation on, in, on Into Darkness and, and kind of what we like. And I think you just kind of hit on, on on quite a few of them. I guess probably more because just, just doing a show on it and, and watching Spock's brain, I kind of have a, a sick love for that show. Uh-huh. I really do. Didn't we have a good Spock's time brain. on that show, Ken? We, we, we did. And, you know, it was it was fun because, you know, sometimes things are so bad they're good. That, But that isn't the case with Spock's brain. There's some elements of it that you just go, what the heck were they thinking? But I really enjoy watching it. I've watched it three or four times since we, we did that episode, Norm. Mm-hmm. And there are attributes to that show which are really, really good. And we talked about it, you know, on, on our episode when we were focusing on how well with Spock gone did the the cast that Shatner says are below the line mm-hmm. come together, have good conversations, and they put a plan together like we've never seen on Star Trek in its whole entirety of those 70, 79 original episodes. So I'm 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 more of an advocate now than I ever was for for Spock's brain. That's probably the biggest one I can think of. When, you know, when you describe it that way, Ken, it sounds like the Star Trek three of its time. So, Ooh. <laughs> I don't know about that. That's I that's think it that was is the a Star fourth Trek spot five of its kind <laughs> of its time. Yeah. I think is probably what it would be. But that's true. That's true. <laughs> I think maybe for me, I'd, I'd have to say I'm going to defend Enterprise in total against the fan dumb out there mm-hmm. because I think Enterprise, for whatever reason, was just hugely unaccepted, like with every possible fiber of every fan's being in 2000. They're like, well, it, it didn't start off well from a, from a launch point, from a pilot point. It didn't get the advertising and marketing support that it that it needed, especially coming from a major licensed property like Star Trek, and especially being one of the flagship shows that launched the UPN, right? This is Paramount, right? So I, I felt that I think it was doomed from the start, and I don't know why, because one of the things that I still wrestle with from time to time being a Star Trek fan in the Star Trek fan community sometimes is the closed-mindedness of Star Trek fans. And the the unwillingness i guess to to not even try and for enterprise especially with the zindi arc i will defend the zindi arc till the day is long i think it is probably one of the best seasons of of star trek ever because it has such great character growth the the production value is fantastic you actually get to see archer become a captain i know that there was an issue with people before he was just so happy go lucky archer and then he doesn't belong out there. Well, that's the season where he learned that he actually doesn't belong out there, but he has no other choice but to be out there. It's either one way or the other way. And my favorite episode of Enterprise is Damage. I talk about that all the time on Warp 5 because that's the episode where Archer says, 
I'm probably going to make the same choice again, even though this is the worst choice ever, because that's what captains have to do. They have to choose between the lesser of ridiculous evils. And uh, that's, that's the unpopular opinion that I will always rally against is that Enterprise was a terrible show. It should never have been. And I'm glad it only got four seasons. I'm like, no, you're, I, I will absolutely 100% love to engage that conversation. I'm not going to say anyone's wrong. That's, I mean, that's your opinion. But I will say, engage me in that conversation. Matter of fact, Ken and Zach, yeah. I walked through the, I guess it's the vendor's room in the Star Trek 50th anniversary in Las Vegas. And I was wearing my Enterprise, the NX-01 jumpsuit. And I'm walking by this vendor and somebody goes, um, great series, season three, or series, um, yeah, great series, season three sucked. And I walked right up to this guy. I'm like, tell me why. <laughs> you said it. I didn't say it. You, you acknowledged the fact that you liked it. You liked my uniform. You said great cosplay. But then you said that. And I just stepped right up to him, nose to nose. I'm like, tell me why. And he couldn't. And it's because a lot of times in Star Trek, it's just let's heap misery on top of misery. Right? Because they're like, I don't like it. Let's just throw all of our fandom hate on top of that because that's the fashionable thing to do at the time. I think Into Darkness is probably the same way. I agree with you, Mike. I like Into Darkness a ton because it's a great character building story. There's a lot of depth into that story. And you have to, it's kind of like the, um, the Joseph, it was it Joseph Campbell? The, the mythology Hero's of the journey. hero? Yeah. Right? That's where Kirk is at his darkest. And that's where Scotty had to make sense of like, this isn't what we do. And until you figure that out, you're never going to be the beacon of optimism and hope until you learn that about yourself. And that's, it says so in the title, Into Darkness, <laughs> right? So, um, okay, Schmedlap, Umpty Scratch, I'm off my soapbox. Go ahead, take it I, away. I, I like Into Darkness more than Ken, just for the record, just, okay. just so you guys know. <laughs> Sounds like Ken is the unpopular opinion about Into Darkness here. <laughs> I guess you know it's it's funny. I've said it a hundred times. I'll, I'll, I I don't hate it. Uh, I just um, it's it's just not one of the better ones in my opinion. But hey, you know I'll, I'll also say this for the ten thousandth time: I will watch any Star Trek movie and enjoy it. I don't yes. care which one it yes. is. Mm-hmm. Um, there, and there are some that are pretty bad uh, in terms of just quality and even acting. But I'll, I'll watch them all, and I'll still enjoy portions of it. Sorry, Sorry. Nemesis fans. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So what do you got, Mike? What what hill will you die on when it comes to Star Trek opinions? I mean, I guess it's that, you know, Star Trek 09 is the single best uh, episode or movie of, of Star Trek in history. You got a lot of crap for that, so much so that I did a commentary where I just tried explaining myself. Uh, just because I felt <laughs> like, I want to have this conversation once and never again. No, but um, uh-huh. yeah, I, that that would be it for me. I mean, I really do feel like you know, it has everything that we love about Star Trek, and yet it uh, kind of catches up with the times. Like the original series, you know, had, you know, it was, it was a trendsetter in the 60s in terms of its visuals and everything, as well as, of course, its, you know, thematic content and all that stuff. And I think that, you know, since the original series, Star Trek has always been a step behind in terms of, uh, you know... <sighs> I don't want to say production value, but in terms of like innovation in from a filmmaking standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, content wise, it's always been at the top, but from a filmmaking standpoint, it's always been a step behind. And, huh. um, I, I feel like with Star Trek 09, that's where it finally caught up to the mainstream. And I think that we're seeing the benefits of that 
in stuff like you know discovery now and everything so and and i think that that is important because i mean let's face facts you know this show is you know 51 years old handing someone the cage and saying like start watching star trek it's maybe not going to go over too well with the younger audience so like star trek 09 is like perfect gateway trek like I, I literally literally just had someone yesterday a 22 year old yesterday said where should i start with star trek and i said uh, star trek 09 i'll bring in a copy for you tomorrow you know and I, right. you know once he watches that presumably he'll like it and when he does then i'm going to say okay now watch arena now watch space mm-hmm. seed you know <laughs> so I, I don't know right. i i absolutely love Just 09 kidding. and i do think that it is the absolute best episode of star trek ever and i i, I take a lot of crap for it but that's okay no that's I cool think, man. Yeah, that's... no I, I agree with the advice there because i think the one the one difficult thing to do nowadays for any new generation of star trek fans is to try and capture them in that one lightning in a bottle moment and you know, a lot of people say, like, if you uh, th- this is a poll always on all these different fandom sites. You know, if you're going to introduce somebody to Star Trek, what would it be? And most people say, like, oh, show them City on the Edge. I would never show them City on the Edge of Forever no. for, a new, for a new fan, for a fan of today in that age range, like the 18 to 25 range. Because what 18 to 25-year-old will go out there personally and seek out a show that's 50, like, you know, an episode that's, what, from 1966, right? Like, why would you do that? There's nothing about that episode that would even entice you to do that. But with 09, you're like, okay, this is something. It's modern. It's awesome looking. It's kind of like the way I felt about, I'm not sure if you guys read uh, Dayton Ward's Desperate Hours. Yeah. No. Do you mind if I spoil something here? I'm going to no, spoiler alert this. Spoiler warning, everyone. And Desperate Hours. Mike, did you read Desperate Hours? Yeah, I did. It was the same kind of round whole square peg kind of scenario where they were trying to fit in why Discovery's aesthetic looks a certain way and then why Christopher Pike's Enterprise aesthetic looks a certain way. It's like you can't really logically bridge those two universes together. And that's a hard thing to do when you're trying to reconcile what Star Trek is to a new audience because they're like, okay, it's supposed to look like Discovery, but then that takes place 10 years before that show in 1966. I think one thing that fans, or at least people out there sometimes don't realize is that you're only dealing with that chronologically, not necessarily what it actually means aesthetically. Because this, this Discovery era is supposed to be the progenitor of 09, in my opinion. And a lot of people out there are probably like, wow, you're so wrong. But no, I don't think I am. Because take a look at the way the technology works. I think that Discovery is doing a fantastic job easing your way into what Kirk would look like in 09. The flagship of the Federation should look this way. Everything that's behind it should look nearly that way, close to that way, because it's the same universe, right? Right. So, um, sorry, soapboxed again. <laughs> okay. A standard orbit tangent? Yeah. I've never heard of such a thing. It's one timeline, right, Ken? <laughs> one timeline, yeah. baby. I'll stick to that. Yeah, so for uh, for me, I guess, there are a couple things I'll mention. Uh, one, I think uh, Next Generation, right? I think Season 7 is the worst season of Star Trek, The Next Generation. There was I, a seventh season? I don't think <laughs> that that's go. really that I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Of I'm the... kidding. 
the well, I know pe- people say, oh, one and two are garbage, and then three they figure it out, and then it's good to the end, and seven is just amazing ending because of all good things. All good things covers a lot of uh, shortcomings in season seven because you look at season seven, and they're all great guys that have joked about my my take on season seven. Um, I call it Star Trek: The Family Reunion. Right, half the episodes, it's like, <laughs> oh, here's. Here's Worf's brother, and here's Data's mom, and here's Troy's dead sister, and here's Crusher's grandma's bo- ghost boyfriend. Here's Picard's son. <laughs> I mean, it's just like on and on. And here's Jordy's mom and his and, and his dad. You know, it, it, it's anyway. And there are a few good episodes in there. Don't get me wrong, but if you look at seasons one and two, there's a certain energy to the to the early episodes of Next Generation that that it, by the season seven it just feels stale. It's like it's like I'm glad they went to the movies even though the movies didn't turn out as well as we all would have hoped i mean if they keep going eight nine ten like how stale is it going to get how recycled the plot's going to be so i mean there's some excellent episodes there parallels the pegasus all good things obviously uh, i like inheritance of all the family reunion episodes i like inheritance the one with data's mom but anyway i i, I really feel like there's a certain energy and just freshness to those early uh episodes of tng that, that gets lost at the end so i would definitely like i would i would rather watch any season one episode <laughs> more than than most season seven episodes so I, I i feel like i don't know how unpopular that is or not but um i feel like that when a um, man on the street talking about next gen if, if you get nine next gen if you get 10 next gen fans in a room i bet nine of them are going to say that season one's the worst season but I, I would disagree uh but then you know wrapping it back around to tos i think i love the omega glory that's like one of my favorite episodes so like I don't know I don't know maybe just I was introduced to it at a young age and, and <laughs> or what but it's just there's so much to it like you see it's another... the eplebnista the eplebnista you know <laughs> how does he know word for word the Constitution <laughs> I swear but like there's another Constitution class ship which is great I love it whenever they find those uh, you beam down to a planet and and Kirk has a has a good adversary in Captain Tracy you know he's like oh, yeah a, he a, does a competent props to Morgan Woodward man props yeah to Morgan, Morgan Woodward. Woodward man still got it of, of his two right. roles you know on TOS both of them are great but I prefer this one as Captain Tracy and he's like he's a competent I mean he goes a little cower mad crazy but he's a competent commander he beats Kirk a couple times like so there's some good hand to hand combat there just there's a lot of action in this episode it's a fun episode they're running around they're getting you know put in jail like they do in half the season two episodes uh, there's a parallel Earth again another season two trope. So it's like all these Star Trek tropes like kind of wrapped into one. And I know people give it a lot of flack, but I really enjoy it. And I can see why Roddenberry was one of his initial scripts. I don't know how well it would have, you know, if that was really the pilot, I don't know how well that it would have taken off. But I think once you know these characters and you're familiar with them, you enjoy this adventure they go on. And I that, that's, I'm not going to put it in my top 10, but it's definitely one of the episodes I've rewatched more than almost any other episode of TOS to kind of wrap it back around to you know, our, our um, modest operandi here on Standard Orbit talking about the original series. I, I love that episode, and I think I think a lot of people get some people's worst list, and I just I just don't understand it. So, I have a cosplay. Actually, I did this at fifty, whereas basically the Commodore of the USS Exeter. <laughs> I, I just I I love I I know that it wasn't supposed to go this way. Everyone knows that there was a memo saying that the the Delta for the Enterprise was supposed to have been the thing, mm-hmm. but I still love seeing all the different insignias from all the different ships, and that was one of my favorites, the the USS Exeter insignia. And Ron Tracy beat Kirk every single time. Yeah, he beat him down like a, he beat him like a drum. <laughs> no, that's, 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 a, that's just a good episode. So, so last rapid fire here, like three questions, one word answers, guys. We'll go down. Ken, Chris Dialli or Robin Curtis for Savick? Uh, Robin Curtis. Okay, correct. Mike, Chris Dialli or Robin Curtis for Savick? Chris Dialli. Ooh, 
All right, that's it's your opinion. That's fine. No, <laughs> that's the Norm Christie Alley. <laughs> Christie, that's what I'm saying. So don't fight for their opinion. Christie Alley or Robin Curtis for Savick Norm. What's my favorite movie of all time again? There you go. <laughs> now we have his answer, folks. I think had Christie Alley come back for Star Trek Six, then I would have probably said Christie Alley for Savick. Oh wait, so kinda... was my answer supposed to be Valeris? <laughs> <laughs> Could have been. I do wish they, they played with that, right? I wish that Valeris was Savick and she was a traitor. That would have been really cool. That that today is so common, but back then mm-hmm. that would have been like, what? that That is a great Star Trek missed opportunity. I wish they really tied everything together. So, uh, mm-hmm. But anyway, and then, and then so, and this is not TOS, but I'll ask you. Pulaski or Crusher, Ken? Oh, Crusher. Okay. Pulaski or Crusher, Mike? Crusher. Pulaski or Crusher, Norm? Sorry, dude. Crusher. Uh, all right, all right. That's fine. I'm gonna. I'll die on this hill. I think she's just a more interesting character. I mean, and and, and especially in the first season, Crusher's like she's Wesley's mom and she's Picard's kind of love interest. And then they just don't give her much to do the rest of the show. I mean, Remember Me is a great episode, but that's like the only great Crusher episode. Suspicions is pretty good. Hey, hold on a second. These were supposed to be one word answers, and now you're trying to sell us on the fact that you like Pulaski. Well, you, yeah. Well, I guess, you, you know, have, as long I'm as he's right, questions. that changes the dynamic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking the question, sir. Fair no, enough. Anyway, fair enough. Right, so, so that's that's okay. a podcast for another time. I'll have to go on Earl right. Grey and, and talk to those guys sometime. Anyway, yeah. th- those are just some. <laughs> those are always some lightning rod Star Trek opinions, and I, you know, I, I love, I love the. Uh, I'm glad the Kelvin timeline is what it is. I hope we get more of it, and then we can have more lightning rod discussions because that seems to be a very polarizing topic as well. As you know, Into Darkness and Night were a couple of you guys, you know, conversation pieces on that, and and I'm just glad. I'm just glad there's more Star Trek to talk about. So. That's because that's what we do. We talk about Star Trek here. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we we, we we hurdle that wall too, and and much to other shows coming back at us, going, "Hey, how come you're talking about that?" It's because it all it all fans out from TOS, folks. Mm-hmm. Every every bit of Star Trek fans out from this. So, uh, whether you're looking forward or backwards, this is where it started. All right. Well, let's turn our direction to our listeners and their questions and comments from the Babel Conference, huh, Ken? Yes, we had one from Rebecca Skipper, and, and she's been really kind um, over the, the last few years, sends a lot of nice notes and emails and things, and she says, uh, thanks for giving the opportunity to participate. What emo- what motivates you to keep podcasting considering the effort involved? And so that's a great question for everybody. That's one, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get to our second one. So I'll, I'll start with you, Norm, mm-hmm. because you, you're, you, you've been busy, and then we'll, we'll hit Mike, Zach, and then I'll finish. I guess I have to say, and... Maybe it's the same for all of us. Maybe it's not. But I think that it has to do with passion. I think that if you have a true passion for something and you want to have your voice heard about that passion and you want to be able to share, I think, more often than not, a positivity about that passion, then it kind of keeps you going. I mean, there are times where it's difficult to to look at your schedule and say, hey, you know what? Um, I'm not sure if I have it this week, if I have the energy, if I have the motivation, but then all you need to do is like throw on something that's really inspiring to you, especially in Star Trek, say an episode or a piece of music or an interview or even another podcast that, that just really kind of gets your engine going. It's funny that uh, this question sounds like somebody who wants to maybe start a podcast, you know, because that's like the first thing that people ask, like, you know, is it hard to do that? And I would have to say, yes, it is. But it's also very enjoyable and very rewarding because we get feedback from, from someone like you, Rebecca, where... You're engaged with what we do, and you're finding value in what we have to say. And like you said, Ken, some people start their mornings off with it. It's their morning cup of Star Trek. I think that's really important for people. It's something that they can depend on. And it's something that I think, unless you're really invested in 
um, in a show or a series. It's something that people just don't get. They just don't get how much they depend on your cast to get you through the day, the, the entertainment value that gets you through the day. Or if you're driving and say like, no, Zach, you're completely wrong about Dr. Pulaski. I'll, you know, but it's something that engages their brain that day and it makes it very rewarding to listen to. For podcasters, we are asking you to give up an hour or so of your day to listen to us. I think that's something that we take very, very seriously as a responsibility because you could be doing something else with that hour of your day. You could be talking to a friend, you could be having lunch on your own, you could be listening to another show, you could be listening to music, watching a TV show, but you're listening to us. Or for at least this case, you're listening to Ken and, and Zach. And that's something that's very daunting, but it's also very rewarding. I hope that answers the question. That's a good answer. And Mike, you've got uh, several going at once, so I think it's a it's a very good question for you. I, I think Norm did a pretty good job of, of answering it. I mean, I, uh, my, my answer is pretty much the same thing. Uh, it's hard, you know, and there's definitely times where, where I question why I'm, I'm doing this. And, you know, I've been actually doing that a lot lately uh, and, you know, sort of trying to figure out, like, what it is that I, I want to be doing and what it is that I should be doing and why it is I started doing this in the first place and, and everything. And uh, I guess the reason, you know, the answer to that last question is because you'd have conversations with your friends. You'd have unique takes like, you know. Uh, Pulaski is better than Crusher or something weird, and you're you're you want other people to hear that, like you you or or you hear what your friend says and you're like, oh, that's a really interesting point. You know, if if other people heard what you're saying right now, then I I, th I think that that would really influence the way that they watch things or or whatever whatever it is that you're talking about. So, you know, I got into this because I wanted to, I was having those conversations with my friends and I wanted to share them, you know, with, with other people, with the world. And, you know, once I, I jumped onto Trek FM, it's like now I, I, th that I have that opportunity. And even though it's really hard and even though sometimes we may get stuck into, you know, things which we have absolutely no interest in or whatever, like <laughs> I don't want to give it up because I don't want to lose that, voice you know what i mean i think it's important mm -hmm. to keep the conversation going so that when we do come across something which is very worthwhile that that ignites our passion you know it's kind of like what we were talking about with the original series right it's like you you, you do a lot of work you know it's 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 very very daunting but then you know you get your your one uh you know arena and it's like oh well this is just this makes it all worth it you know so I guess that's what it is, you know. Okay, Zach? Yeah, I agree with what both of you guys had said. I think having the um, the soapbox, if you will, the opportunity, you know, to, to share all these nerdy opinions is, is great. Um, also, I just, to, to me, it's it's a lot of it's just about the, the interaction with everybody. You know, I was you know, talking to Ken every week about this stuff, interacting with everybody who comments in the on the Babel Conference and Twitter and whatnot, uh, just getting a conversation started that you talking to people that you would never ever have the opportunity to to have conversations with otherwise 
because the fandom, you know, fandom, fandom's great. I mean, fandom, everything has its has its pros and cons, right? But by just the the overwhelming interest of of fandom and, and just that people, the fact that people are like looking forward to li- hearing us talk every weekend, it's like amazes me. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like what is, people care what we have to say about Star Trek. Okay, great, <laughs> thanks. Um, so that that definitely keeps you going because you feel like you have a responsibility at that point to to give these guys some good entertainment, you know? Because you know they're, they're supporting you, and that that means everything. You know, to have to have people out there listening, and thank you so much, everybody who listens and comments and shares every week. Because without you guys, what are we even doing, Ken? We're just <laughs> talking into the void, and that would be fine. I would love talking to you every week, but I probably wouldn't put as much <laughs> time and effort <laughs> pre and post show <laughs> if it was just you and I. So, um, yeah, and I love it. You know, I, I can go on tangents. You know, as has been well established here about Star Trek, talk about it all day long. So, I just love having the opportunity to uh, to talk about stuff that I love with with people that I like. So that's that's what podcasting is all about. It's just taking those fun conversations, as you guys said, those conversations you sit around and have with your friends or something like, like you know, the lunch table and just putting it on the Internet. Right. That's that 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 is that is the way I see it. Just just sharing that joy, shared joy of interest in a common subject. Talking about a subject you love with people you like, that probably pretty much sums it up, Zach. That was really well said. And. That's the driving force. I can't uh, express enough the appreciation I have for the network and the friends that I have made falling into this um, and, and discovering Check FM and then and then finding a voice and being able to, to speak to a lot of people. It has been just a, a journey that, you know, three, four years ago would have been inconceivable to me. And, um, you know, we're, we're all busy. And I think there are times where you're just going, oh, man, you know, we got to find out time to do this or whatnot and, and all that work that goes with it. But you know what? It is it is just mostly done because of uh, exactly what you said, a subject you love with people you like. And then that expands when you get to discuss it with this this other medium on Facebook with the Babel Conference. So that that's my joy in it. So thank you, guys. That, that was that was a real good kind of roundtable. The next one is, um, why do you like TOS so much despite its age? <laughs> so, so, I always think, well, I'm 51. My wife still loves me. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's, it's old, but that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. You know, it's 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 classic. I mean, it's another term. It's classic. Another track. well said for a sentence there, Zach. <laughs> <It's> not, <laughs> he's he's doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. I like that. Yeah. I'm gonna say that to Tracy too. <laughs> he's on a um, roll today. <laughs> so you know, it's 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 classic. There's a certain amount of charm to it as well. That just it, I like watching old stuff. Maybe just, I grew up watching old stuff. You know, too much Nick at Night as a kid. Maybe I don't know. But I just. Uh, there's something about just the old old television, old entertainment that has a certain charm. So there's that factor going on. Because you have to admit, yes, it doesn't – the special effects and the production values don't hold up. But it's not about that. You know, it's about the stories and the messages and, and even the nuances in the acting and the characters. And, you know, it, it just having uh, – ev- yeah, it's episodic, so you don't get, like, hooked in every week like you do in modern TV. But you get hooked into the characters. You, know, you care about these performances and 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 – also, just what new adventure they're going to have next week. So that's the kind of stuff. You know, I was trained at a young age to watch Star Trek. Both my parents were Star Trek fans, so I was kind of born into it. I was born into Star Trek. Ah. So, <laughs> so that that's where it is for me. Like it's it just it's always been there. So I just accept it for what it is, and I can see where other people would be like, ah, TOS, it's old. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, but but you got to you got to look past that and look at and you know what is it actually saying? What is it doing? And 
And I, uh, I think, yeah, like you were saying, Norm, I think it's, or, or, or Mike, or all you guys, I'm not sure who said it, it was a while ago, but it's one of the best TV shows of all time. Like a legit top five TV show right up there with something like The Twilight Zone. Because uh, it can tell stories that, that you can tell in that, in that context. If you, if you look at, and it wouldn't be so timeless if it was like a contemporary cop or lawyer show or a Western, right? I mean, and those all have their place, but all those shows don't have the, the timelessness and the appeal that a show like Star Trek has. But it's no Smallville, right? Right, Zach? That's it's no Smallville. <laughs> That's true. Oh boy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I think Zach is angling to change the name of the show to always hold on to TOS. <laughs> always hold on to uh, Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. There were ten oh, yeah. seasons well, of Smallville. I'll have you know. So longer longer than any Star Trek show. To, if you could find a way to combine the two, Zach, it would uh, you know cut half your work effort. The, the, you know, I want to bring up something that Mike <laughs> said though. I, I agree with what Mike said about uh, the original series where you have. Um, a third of the shows that are epic, like you know, and there yeah. are a third of the shows that are good, and a third of the shows that aren't so awesome. Um, but I think for for TOS fans, we recycled the epic shows a lot. You know, Doomsday Machine, uh, Mirror Mirror, Space Seed, uh, City on the Edge Forever, uh, the Omega Glory, Spock's Brain. Um, Correct. You know, just yes. to name a few of the best. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> in all seriousness, though, when you when you think about it, it's the top ten list. Can we did that? You know, um, you and me and Atos, sure. you, we did the, our our top tens. And things like Balance of Terror, which is our favorite, right? And the Doomsday Machine. I mean, those are those are tentpole episodes that we watch over and over and over again. Sometimes to the point where we just put that on in the background just because we need some some comfort white noise. So for TOS fans, I think sometimes we get also a little complacent with it's the greatest episode, you know, it's the greatest show of all time because we're only watching the top episodes always. Mm. You know, we're never going into say like the Lights of Zatar or the Cloudminders. And say those are the greatest episodes. You should watch this because this is you know this is tentpole Star Trek. Now we're talking about like the Corbomite maneuver or even where no man has gone before. So sometimes you have to kind of put yourself in check when you really want to look at Star Trek, saying, "Is this episode for episode the greatest series of all the series?" I still think it is personally. That's me, but that's what I think the longevity of the show by the time it got to me was able to afford me looking at the back catalog. So it's it kind of becomes habitual, also. Yeah, I, I mean, I've never had a problem, you know, like watching older things. Really, I, I mean, I guess you know, just like you guys, it's kind of just how I was raised or whatever. And you know, I, I mean, I think it's interesting looking at you know this show in its proper historical context. You know, I mean, visual effects, you know, being good or bad—that's something that I couldn't care less about. You know, but like you look at let's say the photography in the movie, which is incredibly progressive, you know, and if by today's standards, it's like, yeah, you know, whatever, it's, it's maybe a little, a little weak or, or, or whatever. But if you look at it compared to other shows of the time, you were like, wow, you know, like without Star Trek, we wouldn't have, you know, things like Breaking Bad or whatever. It was a trendsetter. It pushed the medium forward in, in a big, bad way. And I guess that's, that's how, you know, I can watch it even though it's 51 years old. It, to me, it almost feels less dated than the next gen era shows, which is weird. But yeah. Okay, and then I guess to finalize that for me, I grew up on it, <laughs> <laughs> so that's 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 kind of the difference. It is, it's a big part of of my life, and it was as a kid. And I think that one of the things that makes this show so interesting, along with some of your other favorites, is the the passion and the power and the emotion um, behind something. 
like Star Trek and how there are different periods and you see it all the time. You see it all the time where people talk about Star Trek having them help pull them through different aspects of their life or different situations that they're going through and, and all of that, which is just makes the show just so unique and so special. So I can definitely be I'm definitely one of those people that identifies with that. And so for me to get to have this opportunity to continue to to discuss it or to come up with, and I think this has been the challenge that Zach and I have given each other is how can we change this this view? Or instead of just doing a show, a, a show review, how can we we look at the themes that that develop from TOS and how they've grown, expanded, or even changed uh, in in the other series? And I think that's that's another way of keeping it fresh for us. Yeah. So thank you so much, Rebecca, for that for that question. And you know, just a couple other comments here people had on, on social media for us. Our friend Nick Anastasio, who is uh, filled in and, and co-hosted with us a few times now, uh, he says, um, "Just bring up the fire extinguishers on the bridge, <laughs> on Darathicon, and then we can sit back and watch the magic happen." So, does people have strong opinions about the fire extinguishers on the <laughs> on the bridge? Apparently, in the Rathicon, is that a is that a point of contention? I don't know. How do you put out fires without fire extinguishers? The uh, internal dampeners, I believe. Okay, no, I don't know. Yeah, well, that didn't start until the next gen, right? Yeah. With the, uh... Here, here's, the, here's, here's the thing with that. If you're paying attention to that, you're missing the entire point of that movie. All right, that is a prop. It has nothing to do with the narrative. <laughs> there's, also, there's also no smoking sign in Starfleet Command, but, uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, uh, I don't... I don't uh, yeah. I think that it, it actually enforce, reinforces the, uh, the the themes and stuff of that that show. I mean, it's grounded in reality in a way that you know a lot of other things aren't. And like, he's got a book, he's got glasses, he's got a no smoking mm-hmm. sign, he's got fire extinguishers and everything. They like live that. in this real world that you live in. That's yeah. The whole you know, point. I, th- yeah. I think it. I think it was. I think that was intentional, and I think that that mm-hmm. you know sort of like ties into the overall aesthetic of of the movie. I like it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I it's, never it's, thought about it fine. until now, but I like I, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I never thought that was out of place at all. I think it, you know Nick's just having some fun with this. That's, that's what he does. But uh, but he says happy anniversary, congratulations, a big thanks to you, the senior chief, Commodore Lau, and everyone who has carried the torch of my favorite Trek FM podcast to this point. To this point, so I get. I guess we better keep it up for you, Nick. Well, <laughs> we'll try to keep being your favorite. We will not fail you, Nick. I promise you. Um, of course, you know, he has a lot of say. He's a, he's a producer. That's on the right, show, associate so producer. Yeah. They got the power. That's right. Uh, our friend mm-hmm. Justin Oster from Earl Grey, uh, he says, I love the commentaries on Standard Orbit over the years. I'd be interested in hearing what your favorite moments have been from those commentaries. Congratulations on 200 episodes. Well, we haven't done that many commentaries. I'd say I think me and Brandon Shea uh, have done... <laughs> <laughs> quite a few, uh, and We've we're gonna it. we're gonna continue to to do some. I think once we, we you got to find the right angle when you do a commentary. I mean, Mike understands this. He does commentary track stars and track stars. Um, <laughs> it, you you got to fill the conversation. You got to you got to not try to like to fall into actually watching the movie, and you got to keep it fresh. You know, you, you got to go back. You have some good back and forth. And I think that the key that Brandon and I have found when we do these commentaries, and we'll be doing some more because they've been fun. And and but the key is to to find some really bad episodes to talk about <laughs> because then you can just have fun and oh being the it. mystery science theater exactly that you are okay now i see so it all ties now together yeah so okay. so that yeah. that's my approach with it because it's like if you what else can we say oh yes look at sydney on the edge of forever isn't joan collins a great actress look at this final scene by kirk yeah i i agree with all that but i think it's all been said you know and our, our goal here is to boldly say what no one has said before so we got to just keep moving forward so um that's kind of our, our take on the commentaries, and then uh, and then our friend Tim Hans has uh, 
as a, a message for us, Ken. He says, congratulations on such a milestone, Ken and Zach. And we're not the only ones. We got Mike. We got Drew. We got Norm. We got Jeff, as we mentioned. Um, the show keeps going from strength to strength. Throw on my favorite Trek FM podcast. Two questions for what you achieved since taking the center chair. And we could actually all answer this if you guys want. How daunting was it at the time for you guys taking over from the Commodore Mr. Atos after their great work they did? Um, well, we, we kind of talked about that. He it mentions if there was any pressure uh, stacking up against their predecessors. And, and for me, like I said, I was like, well, we're, we're, we're the second, we're, we're the third team. We're the second replacements. So pressure's off. It was more, you know, it's like Deep Space Nine. I don't think they were as nervous after Next Gen, right? When Next Gen launched, it was like, we're the, we're the first Star Trek that's not Kirk and Spock. But Technically, you are Kirk and Spock because you had Robert April and his crew. Then you had <laughs> Christopher Pike and his crew. And then you had Kirk and his crew. Okay. That's the way I see it. There it is. Right? So th- that's kind of the answer to that to that question, Tim. I hope we answered that earlier where we were talking about all the all the transitions. And then you say, and this is an actually interesting point. And Ken and I have, have talked about this before. Second question, have you been disappointed with any of the episodes you have come up with and produced, which you feel didn't turn out as well as you'd hoped? So does anybody have any, like, is there like one? And if not, that's fine. But is there is there something that sticks out? You're like, oh, man, you know, we had some bold ideas with that show, and it just kind of fizzled out or fell flat any can i know you're shaking your head what, what do you got man well I, I can't think of anything specific i just know that there are times where i felt like you and i um or, or even with with norm on occasion but mostly just because i've done so many more with you zach that i felt like man this is it this is this is going to resonate or whatnot and then the feedback is almost zero on the babel conference and the numbers stink right and you're like oh man i thought we nailed that and and that what's that is exactly what makes us go back. I, I think what I liked about the show and all its incarnations from, you know, I, I didn't have any experience obviously with, with with Mike and Drew, but with with Norm and Jeff, we would kind of do kind of a little bit of an after action report, you know, whether it be subtle and we'd be sending either messages back and forth and talking about things where, you know, what 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 connected and what didn't, and and why why did we miss? And then we've had the opposite where we felt like. You know, maybe the show it, it, it felt a little clunky. Maybe when you're doing it, it comes together, and then the responses go through the roof. So, I've I've seen it both ways. Um, you know, there there are some episodes I think uh, more recently uh, that we've done, Zach, that we were we were kind of hoping, you know, the um, the response would be a little bit more electric and so forth, and it just just wasn't there. And I think part of that is we've been. Um, caught up in in discovery's wake a little uh-huh. bit so you know we're finding people have fewer and fewer time to listen to i think and we've seen this across all the other shows by the way on the network it isn't i think the only show that that's really been an exception is to the journey i think that's because on the day it drops but if you look after discovery any shows that were going monday tuesday wednesday that are up against that juggernaut right now we're we're struggling a bit and um and now we're seeing the numbers pop back up during this hiatus so i think that that's that's a part of it as well Sorry, guys, but as someone who has the the the, the, the main show is the like the lowest listened to episode on the network, I feel your pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's not pain though, Mike. To be honest with you, it's it's an expectation. It if if that wasn't happening, something would be wrong. I mean, it's the first real. It's the first TV show we've had in what fifteen yeah. years or more. Mm-hmm. It's um you know the the movies. You know, it's amazing to me. You know, with Star Wars, there's there's um. Uh, eight movies are about to be, or, or with Rogue, I'm losing count. But anyway, there's there's a lot of movies, and they've been talking about those for years and years and years. So you can just take these little two-hour subplots and uh, two-hour movies and and go go go. 
I think, though, with, with Star Trek, um, because there are so many different podcasts with so many different shows that we're focused on, that it only makes sense to me. So it's not, it, you know, I, it, it wasn't like we were going, oh, my God, we are shocked to see that our numbers have gone down. We're, at, you know, because it's the same. I listen to all the uh, Discovery podcasts, too, and I've had to sacrifice others that I would normally listen to. It's just part of the game. You know, they like so many hours in the day, right? Um, yeah. And it's it's the hot button topic right now because there's a lot to discuss that's new. There are so many different angles in Discovery that you can talk about that's fresh. They're fresh angles. You know, there are only different, like like Zach said, there are only so many different ways you can cut an episode of talking about City on the Edge of Forever that hasn't already been done before uh, with mm-hmm. with so many different ways of looking at it. It's probably one of the... I don't know the metrics on it, but it's probably the most watched episode of Star Trek probably of all time because it always either by its own merits or artificially is introduced to people because of these top 10 lists. We did an episode of that too, Ken, where we didn't really agree with some top 10 lists that are out there based on the quality of the storytelling or how it pertains to Star Trek, especially the original series. So yeah, I, I guess there are some times where we've created content for the show that you don't, you'll never know when it's going to click. I mean, there are some episodes that I've done on my network for Highlander where I'm like, Kevin, my, my co-host, Kevin Reitzel, and I, we were just like, ah, we crushed that show. And all of a sudden, it's just not, it's not tracking. There's no uh-huh. traction on that show at all. Um, and then somewhere it's like, oh, we got to fill in the week. And then it just crushes numbers. So <laughs> you, you, know, you don't really know. All you really know about podcasting, going, going all the way back to what Rebecca asked, is you have to be consistent from week to week to week. You just have to, you have to be able to be there for your audience and be consistent and drive that content forward. Uh, you you got to kind of take that, that Indiana Jones leap of faith, you know, the last crusade leap of faith and just step into the abyss and say, gosh, I hope this works because, right. <laughs> because I love doing it, but gosh, I hope this works, right? Yeah, we, we do various levels of preparation for specific shows. And it, it's funny, sometimes Ken and I spend all this time on this research or whatever, and the show will come out, and it's like, oh, I guess people didn't really care about that topic. That's fine. But then there's another week where like, oh, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. What we, oh, the shuttlecraft. Let's talk about that. Yeah, and then, or something, right? And then, <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, people love that show. It's like, okay, cool. Um, so thanks for uh, thanks for your questions and comments there, Tim. And that that kind of ties to to what Christopher Backus said. He had a comment here, and he said, I really like the ship episodes you did in the history of ships named Enterprise, and that is our Red Shirt Starship. It's probably the show we're proudest of, Ken, and that's the one that goes back and forth. Uh, between uh, the number one show, uh, the the who who moved the cheese, right? Is that the name of the, the first episode? Very okay, first episode, yeah. yeah. So so those two kind of go back and forth between the most downloaded shows. So for whatever reason, man, people love talking about. And that was a long one too, much like much like this one will be, but it's a special two hundredth episode, guys. So I want to give you an extra long podcast for an extra special occasion. But uh, but yeah, no, we love talking about those those lists. And as Ken, as you've mentioned sometime, it's like, and we're gonna run out of stuff. There's only so many, you know, so many aliens <laughs> or ships or you know planets to talk about on TOS. But uh, those are always fun, kind of freeform conversations. Then a couple last comments here from uh, social media. Christopher Lutz said, "I've been with Standard Orbit since 2014. I've taken TOS discussions across multiple states as I work outside and drive every day. It's been an entertaining and insightful journey throughout. Thank you all for the great discussions, and I look forward to more." Live long and prosper emoji. So yeah, thanks, Chris. I mean, that's 2014. That's all of us here. So you've been, you've heard all of our voices. Hopefully, uh, we're uh, we've continued to uh, to keep keep those those long drives entertaining for you, man, on the road and being outside. I know it's always good to have something to listen to. It feels like somebody's with you in the car if you're making a long drive or working a long day. So we're, we're glad we can we can be there for you there. And then finally, our last comment I'll share is from our friend Brandon Shea Matella. 
Uh, he, you know, we all love Brandon. He, you, you're talking about Lights of Zatar, Norm. I believe that's his second favorite episode of the original series. So, but see, nobody's wrong. Everybody just has different opinions, right? But um, he says, what was his favorite one? It's the one with Lazarus. Well, well, alternative factor is his, his two or three. I think Lights of Zatar. <laughs> they go back and forth. I'm not sure, but his number one is where no man has gone before, which is also my number one. So solid choice. Um, but uh, this here's what Brandon says about Standard Orbit. He says the best episodes of Standard Orbit were the commentaries for Cat's Paw and and the Children Shall Lead, <laughs> as well as the one about the alternative factor and the one <laughs> the one about where no one has gone before. Also, the one you did in from Las Vegas. Those were all awesome. So thank you, Brandon. Of course. <laughs> Those well, he was on the one in Las Vegas. So. Brand, Brandon was on yeah. all of those. On all yeah. of those, yes. <laughs> That's the joke. So thank yeah, you, Brandon. Brandon, true. we always that's have true. a cheer for you at the Standard Over Table, my friend, and we look forward to yeah. doing more commentaries together. But uh, but yeah, man, so those, those are all the comments, questions, you know, all that conversation. I, I And that was my third last rapid-fire question. I remember I forgot to ask you guys. What is your favorite episode of Season 3? Just just one 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 title one word answer no i won't over explain myself you guys don't have to over explain yourself either i'm just curious that's another one of those you know interesting conversation points that people can debate in the comments but uh i'll, I'll start us off for me it's the enterprise incident what about you ken same yep what about you mike uh the frank gorshin one what's it called let that oh, be your okay. last battle let, let that be your last good. battle oh, that's a good one too that's good. solid choice yep. Um, the Enterprise incident. Okay. I mean, Kirk is a Romulan. You can't beat that. Okay, so we. Nope. Right. Those are our two. There's two good episodes in season three now. <laughs> no, I, like I like I said the other day when I uh, with uh, talking about Darren Mooney. It's about five great episodes in season three, and then the rest you can kind of debate it. But the, I like I like how we all kind of agree about the Futurama gauge of Star Trek. You know, the original series, 79 episodes, about 30 good ones. <laughs> It's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so, and here we are talking about it every week here on Standard Orbit. So, oh, man, well, it's, uh, it's wonderful having you guys aboard. Uh, thanks for, for, for coming back on the ship for this 200th episode. Uh, Norm, man, do, do you have mm. any final thoughts or comments as we close things out here? No, it's just been an, an honor to be back on the show, really, guys. Um, it, was, it was hard for me to leave. But I left the ship in, in fantastic hands. You guys have done an excellent job, um, not just for yourselves, but for the network. And that's also very important to me. Like I said, it was a hard decision. But uh, as podcasters, we have to follow our passion. Because I think if there's one thing that listeners can hear that's disingenuine is when people talk about things they're not passionate about. They can spot that in a moment's notice. You know, And even when energy levels go down, if your passion is there... They will know and will listen and, and will understand that, you know, this is some, sometimes you have great days, sometimes you have not so great days. But if you're always true to what you're talking about and the passion that you have about it, then it's, it's worth doing. And, and I loved doing it, um, this show with you guys. I just had to go, you know, my own way and take my own course. Um, Technically, uh, I did what Riker never did and took my own ship. So, oh, sorry, TNG guys. Sorry. Titan doesn't count. Um, <laughs> Hashtag but Titan yeah, doesn't count. Hashtag. But yeah, it, um, <laughs> the opportunity was there with the Fandom Podcast Network, and uh, the opportunity was there to do something. There's, there's only one other show that covers Highlander in the podcasting world that I know of, and we're, we're now very good friends on both of our shows. Um, it's, it's a great community that I was able to forge and build, and it's something as podcasters we love being able to do. We love being able to build our communities. These are people that we enjoy spending our time with, and in turn, they enjoy spending their free time with us, like you said, like on the road, in your car, in the kitchen, at school, at work. This is, this is our family and community of people that, that we bond with and talk about things that are meaningful to us. 
So I'm, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to talk to the audience once again. And uh, I am so thrilled for the success of this 200th show. I, I hope that there are many more that are coming from both of you guys. And whatever happens down the road, Standard Orbit will always be in good hands because I think that that's just what this show needs and, and deserves. And I think that you guys have done a great job. And I'd like to thank Mike here personally for having me as his successor, Mike Andrew having me as the successor and in turn um, for ATOS coming in and working with us and then, and then Ken coming with us. Um, it's been a great, I guess, circumstance uh, a, a series of circumstances that has uh, allowed us all to come together and share this passion. So thank you and congratulations on 200. Yeah, I, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on too. Um, I, and I really appreciate you guys, you know, keeping this thing going, you know, long after, after Drew and I have left, um, all of you, you know, even, even Norm and Jeff, of course, uh, it's, it, it was really fun talking about, I mean, it was, it was really, really hard, you know, to, to I mean, like you're saying, like, you're going to run out of stuff eventually, like, uh, for all of these, like, episode or s series-based shows, like, I'm like, how do you guys do it? And I, and I did it, you know, <laughs> and I still have no idea how you guys do it, because y you really need to get creative with it, you know, and find new angles, you know, I mean, we've had collectively now, you know, twice as many episodes of standard orbit as there have been episodes of the original series that's crazy you know but i, I guess it, it really speaks to uh the quality of of the original series and how there is stuff to talk about but i think it's also cool that you know we have had uh multiple teams because i mean you guys could literally have the same exact conversations that we had and it would be unique and different and you know just as interesting because you know, I really think the reason why people tune into podcasts are for the people who are talking, you know, more than than uh, the subject which is being discussed in a lot of ways, because everyone who's listening has had all the conversations that we're having. They want to hear what someone else has to say about the subject. And, and I think that you guys have done a, a really great job with that. And, and I really appreciate um, that, that you've kept it going for this long. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for the kind words, Mike. And I'll explain quickly what plank owner means. Yeah. So yes, people have been, people are, are sitting a, on pins and needles waiting for you to explain Yes, that. I know, I know. So Mike is, what do you say, a, a plank owner. So in, in the Navy, if you are the first crew on a brand-new ship, you, uh, you get a certificate that says you're a, a plank owner. And eventually when the ship is de, de, uh, decommissioned, it could be 20, 30, 40, 50 years later on some of them, um, a piece of the ship is then sent w uh, back to the original crew as a, as a token of their appreciation for launching and, and caretaking the, the ship and, and getting it off right. So it's, it's kind of a, a special honor to have in the Navy. And, um, and it's, a, it's, it's a very fit term, I think, for you as, as the plank owner. You and Drew are the plank owners and have done a, a wonderful job um, with this and then with all the subsequent shows that, that you've been, been leading. So it's been fun. And Norm, as always. But, I mean, I, I have you to thank uh, heavily uh, for getting me into this game. And, um, and, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it and, and appreciated your friendship over the years. It's, it's been fun. I look forward to hopefully seeing you in January when I'm back out there to California. And, Zach, to you. Like I said, you know, Zach who? What? What? Who's <laughs> this guy? Uh, meeting you in Las Vegas, uh, finding like almost an instant chemistry, 
coming together as a team, and it's it's been a fun little. Over, it's been it's been over a year now. It's been a year and a month, a year and three months uh, since since we we took over, and uh, it's been it's been nothing but uh, uh, a joy. You know, there's been some challenges here and there, but it's it's been a blast, and and I've I've really enjoyed getting to know you and developing this friendship. So, to you, thank you, and to all of our listeners, thank you for for keeping because it's it's your encouragement. I'm telling you that that keeps these things going. So. That's uh, that's my cave, and I'll, I'll Zach. I'll let you finish it up and, and take us out. Yeah. So again, thanks to everyone who has listened, downloaded, just clicked on a link at some point <laughs> for standard orbit. Uh, Mike, man, thanks so much for starting the show. You guys, you and Drew, man, that was my favorite show on the network. So it's, it's a big honor to 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 take over that show. Um, you know, to both of you guys, you, it, lots lots of fun conversations, and and that's what we try to continue on here. You know, Ken and I always say we try to keep it light. You know, there's a lot of heavy stuff going on in the world. We try to keep podcasting light. It's fun, you know. Podcasting is hard work, but it, it's totally worth it when, when you're passionate about it. Like you were saying, Norm, passion comes through, man. You cannot, you know, you cannot fake passion. And uh, I think all of us are, are passionate about Star Trek in our own ways and very unique ways. It all comes together in very fun conversations. So uh, so thanks, Mike. Thanks, Norm, man. It was it's awesome uh, taking over from you guys. Uh, I, I'm glad that the Highlander thing's working out well for you. Uh, that's I was, you know, I'm not the biggest Highlander fan in the world, but uh, but it is on Hulu, so I think I'm going to revisit it someday when I, when I have time because you know doing Smallville and Star Trek, it's hard to fit in no more shows. But uh, it's good to see that that Highlander's out there on uh, streaming for people to kind of revisit it, you know, because I think it's one of those shows that the people will revisit uh, as as it's available to them. So, but yeah, thanks to both you guys and uh, and Ken, man, it's it's awesome, man. Thanks, it thanks for being such a such a good friend too, you know, just beyond just being a being a podcaster, we've become good friends over over the over the past year plus here. And uh, you know, you really covered for me when I when I had my my hurricane issues, and uh, I really appreciate that uh, filling in because you know consistency. Like we're saying, we didn't want to like, well, you know, I'm out of commission for a while, but we want to keep the podcast going. So Ken really stepped it up and and pulled the teams together and and uh, kept putting out episodes every week when I was out of commission. So. But I'm back now, and uh, I don't know if we'll make it to uh, 300, but if we are, we'll all be back <laughs> in some way. Maybe some will invite us, Ken, to the 300th episode. We'll have even a bigger table of friends here. But um, that's the plan. So on this special occasion of Standard Orbit in our 200th show... It's uh, it's nice to go down memory lane with some of the previous hosts with the show, and today we get to talk with Jeff Harlan. Jeff was a key contributor to the show before he became a permanent host, and then uh, you know he did a series of shows, almost a year's worth with us, and now we get to catch up with Jeff. So, Mr. Harlan, how have you been? Um, I've been busy. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's the best way to put it. <laughs> Well, we know you had to leave the show because you were you were driving towards your master's degree and teaching certificates, and you had a lot of projects going on. How's that working out for you, sir? Um, I am still working on getting my uh, teaching credential. Um, I've got probably another year and a half of the program to go, um, maybe a little bit longer, I don't know, because I'm actually going for two credentials simultaneously. I'm doing mild, moderate, and moderate, severe special ed credentials, um, so that's a wide range that I can teach and it'll be kindergarten through 12th grade. I think one of the things that, that I enjoyed working with, with you and, and then getting to meet you and Megan uh, when I was out in California a few times was that, uh, you know, you, you were part of standard orbit warp five too for, for quite a while mm -hmm. and busy in that, but you know, you really kind of live the philosophy of star Trek and I give you a lot of credit. The, uh, you know, for those of you that don't know that, that Jeff works with uh, special needs uh, students and children 
And uh, I mean, that is his life. And uh, it's it's a very noble thing. And, and, you know, when you work with people of good character, you always want good things to happen. And it sounds like things are going well for you, Jeff, which yeah. is nice to hear. Yeah, so, I've been I've been doing that about 10 years now. And I was in the military for six years before that. Okay, so you served your country, you're serving the community, you served us on Trek FM for quite a while. <laughs> and and uh, are you still working on um, uh, Trekopedia? Uh, when I can get a chance. Uh, I've been working on the chronology section most recently. Mm-hmm. I'm working on the 22nd century, mostly because I'm running a role-playing game set during the Romulan War. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So is uh, is is Discovery adding uh, more challenges to your website, or are um, you keeping up with it? It's had a few uh, challenges to it, because uh, before I had everything for like the Four Years' War stuff based off of all the stuff from the, the FASA role-playing games, and mm-hmm. this the, the show contradicts a lot of that, but at the same time, it adds to that. So I'm trying to find a way to work it out. I might have to shunt the, the FASA stuff into an alternate reality, but... Uh, there's a lot of similar things that they're touching on in Discovery that was from that uh, that stuff from the 80s. Mm-hmm. No, I, I understand. It's it's been a wild ride. So let, let's go back a little bit, Jeff. Uh, since we're we're talking and this show is is really focused on, which I think is a pretty significant milestone here to hit 200 episodes on Standard Orbit, and you came in right around 100, yeah, or so, yeah. right around that number. Uh, I was curious if you could just kind of retell how you became part of the show and and some of the uh, the early contributions and, and your thoughts on where the show was when you took it over. And I don't know if you've been listening much today, uh, but I'm curious your thoughts on, on where it was and where it's going. Uh, well, I came on to the network originally. Um, my friend Norman Lau, uh, he and I had been friends for several years before, and we met uh, our local uh, gaming store, uh, Dice House Games, and we mm-hmm. were, uh, he was just like blown away by my knowledge of Star Trek at the time, because I'd just go off on tangents for, you know, I could go on for hours talking about Star Trek and like minute detail, but uh, when uh, he became involved with uh, Trek FM, then he told me about it, he brought me in, uh, got me into the Babel Conference, I started listening to the shows. He became a host on Warp 5 and asked me to come onto the show, and I was like a recurring guest for several months. And then uh-huh. uh, he asked me to be a co-host on that show. And at pretty much the same time, he took over Standard Orbit and asked me to co- co-host on that. So I was co-hosting on two shows simultaneously. And... That was eating up a lot of my time that I was working on other stuff, too. But uh, it it was a blast working on it. Um, And I did that for at least six months or so, I think. Um, Mm -hmm. Possibly a little bit longer. But uh, I I worked on the shows for a while. And I haven't had a lot of time to listen to all of them. But uh, I've I've listened to a few here and there over uh, since I left the show. I got you. Okay. I mean, the, um, the the thing I remember about those early days was uh, being pulled in to, to edit. And, uh, you, you know, I, I always laugh when I think of that because, you know, my name and early adopter are, are not synonymous. And uh, <laughs> I remember those first couple of shows, ooh, they were rough. Uh, just, just 
trying to recreate that. And I think we had everybody uh, outside of the network in terms of technical expertise trying to get Jeannie back in the bottle. So the show sounded pretty good. And then we kind of found our footing and and you and uh, Norm were very kind to, to bring me on as a guest. And then it just kind of evolved. And that was those were good times. I, I, one of the things I remember most about our conversations, Jess, was exactly what you're talking about. The incredible amount of data that you have in your head on Star Trek is incredible. And we have some challenges on this network now. Yeah. So if, uh, <laughs> I, I still think you could whoop them. I'm not sure. But both Zach and Bichet, are, uh, they're, they're pretty good. They keep me on my toes pretty much like you always did. I mean, I'd be sitting there going, how the heck did that guy remember that? <laughs> It was it was incredible yeah. and uh, and a, and a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's at the point with me that I have several friends who are Star Trek fans, and we played the mm-hmm. Trivial Pursuit Star Trek DVD game, and yep, it was five of them against me, and I won by a significant <laughs> <No>. margin. <laughs> and uh, was that fairly recent? Uh, that was several years ago, and they still talk about it. <laughs> Is that right? You know, for me, it was a humbling experience. I I always considered myself fairly knowledgeable, mostly on on the original cast, which is why I'm here, and um, and and the other shows I was big fans of. Don't get me wrong, but I, I didn't have you know, fifteen twenty years of rewatch, and my my mind doesn't work that way. And I remember playing my daughter with the same game, and I figured I am going to kick her butt. I was humbled, man. If it wasn't uh, a, a TOS question and some of the TNG stuff. She killed me, so I <laughs> I know how your friends mm-hmm. felt. It's very humbling. Yeah, I just yeah. grew up watching it constantly, so, I mean, I've, I've seen all of the episodes multiple times. Um, really, the only ones that I haven't watched, you know, more than, you know, five or six times are the Discovery episodes because they're so new. And even even yeah. those, I've really, most of them I've only been able to watch once so far. But I'm going back and I'm rewatching them during the break when I can Sure, sure. I'm in the same boat as you. It's It's been a fun ride. I've been watching it. I've watched a couple of few times because I've done a couple of podcasts on Discovery uh, on this network and other places, and it's been it's been a wild ride. It's just fun to have Fresh mm-hmm. Trek back, isn't I, it? I'm loving it. Yeah, they, they're doing yeah, a good job. I mean, job it's, it, it surprised me some of the things that they've done because they don't have to worry about network sensors anymore, but... Uh, I mean, it mm-hmm. makes perfect sense in the story and everything, and it's really well done. I I really like how they're they're doing the whole thing with uh, the 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 PTSD and all the other things with the, the various characters during the war. Yeah, I think they are doing a good job of capturing a lot of realism in this, and uh, and it it is it is refreshing to see it reflected in Star Trek or any TV show because it's always many times kind of glossed over or. It's so far the other way, you know, the guy has gone psycho and taking people out or something. And it's like, ah, can we just show, you know, kind of where it lies? And uh, they are doing a good job with that. So, Jeff, uh, we were talking off mic a little bit on on some of the activities that you have going on today. And one of them uh, I'd I'd like you to kind of expound upon with uh, what you're doing with your your comic books and and what's coming up for you. I hadn't had a lot of time to work on them before. I'm trying to get back into them. Uh, you know, it, it kind of goes back and forth on those with me a lot. That's why it's been uh, seven years and I've only got four issues out. But, um, <laughs> but what I'm doing right now is 
the original issues that I put out, those original four, I'm going back, I'm mm-hmm. rescanning all the original artwork, and I'm touching it up digitally in Photoshop with my uh, um, drawing tablet and everything. And uh, I'm adding in backgrounds, I'm uh, even replacing some panels completely, and I'm, I'm redoing all the art, kind of remastering it. And then I'm going to go back and recolor it with all the new coloring techniques that I've learned. Because this last year at Comic-Con, I learned so much stuff about making comic books and making them look just amazing. And the it, looking at, I've gotten uh, some pictures that I put up on uh, on Facebook and Instagram for my comics. And it's like the original artwork and the remastered one next to each other. And it's like night and day looking at them just in black and white. Um, so it's, it's looking really good and my coloring on them has improved, you know, 10 t- you know, a hundredfold and it looks just really amazing. So I'm going back and I'm remastering all those. And my big plan for this is as I finish each issue, I'm going to do like a Kickstarter for each one and sell the comic for like a dollar on Kickstarter for the, the PDF download. And so then that'll help with like distribution and kind of get the word out there and then after I finish all five of the issues that I have in this storyline, I'm still haven't finished the fifth issue. I'm like two thirds through the, the artwork. It's not completely done. And it's been like three years that I've been working on it. But, um, but as I, I finish it, uh, after the fifth issue, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to release a collected edition where all five of them are in one collected piece. And the Kickstarter is going to be for a print run. So that I can do like a, a collected, like maybe even a hardcover. So is there um, is there links that you can send or, or anything along those lines so people can kind of get an idea of what you're working on? I'd, I mean, we, we'd love to help. We know what, what Mr. Atos could use for Christmas now, folks. Um, yeah, what uh, I've been posting a lot of stuff about, uh, you know, my work as I, I complete it on uh, my Instagram. Uh, it's uh, Bandwidth Comics, just all one word. And... Uh, and then that also is copied over to the Bandwidth Comics Twitter, which is the same Bandwidth Comics, all one word. And then also to the Facebook page for Bandwidth. And mostly I've been posting to Instagram because comics are a visual medium and Instagram's all pictures. So it kind of makes sense. Sure, sure. It makes a lot of sense. And, yeah. uh, and then I'm also working on a novel that's tying into all of this as a prequel set in the 1950s with the first superheroes. And I oh, wow. uh, I started that okay. uh, for uh, National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo, but mm-hmm. I was about 7,500 words into it when all of a sudden I had to have my gallbladder removed, so I did <laughs> not reach the 50,000 words uh, for uh, National R- Novel Writing Month, but uh, um, so I made a... So you're blaming on you're blaming you're blaming surgery on the fact that you couldn't finish a test. Come on, well, you know, I, I was you, I, I I was rather uh, uh, hopped up on uh, um, uh, uh, Norco and other uh, interesting uh, medications. Yeah, so <laughs> your, your your comic books could have met a little bit of Alice yeah. in Wonderland. What the heck, yeah. man? Yeah, <laughs> uh, so uh, I kind of set that aside while I was recovering, and um, I'm going to get back to work on that pretty soon. Oh, good. Well, you know, Jeff, it's 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 good to catch up, and uh, I'm glad you're doing well. I mean, I can understand with all the work you're doing with your novels, with your comic books, going after two teaching certifications, that podcasting could be a little tricky to schedule. Even scheduling this short interview was challenging. I uh, 
I, I wish we could have had you on board with, with Mike and Norm and, and Zach and the team, but this is going to be great. I think our listeners are going to be excited to hear how you're doing because we all care and we want you to do well. And I mean, I would love it if um, when your time allows and you have something that interests you that you'd like to come back on the show and talk to us about something, any subject matter, man, we'd love to have you back from time to yeah, time. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I like I said uh, offline, I, I had other plans when uh, you guys are all getting together to record this weekend. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm just packed. I mean, I got my uh, I got relatives coming in from out of state and I've got, uh, you know, uh, going to you know, oh, yeah. all kinds of stuff going on like that. Yeah, it's called life, brother. It's uh, it's hard. It's busy, but you know the the key things are that you're healthy and and things are well with the family and and you're you're driving through. You're 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 working hard to better yourself. You're working hard to take care of the kids, and you're working hard in that creative aspect and and getting some uh, good venues out on your comic books. So I think it's a good story, Jeff. It's it's nice to catch up. It's been yeah. a long time since uh, since we chatted and. Uh, it's amazing how fast the time goes. Yeah, I can't you believe. Know? You turn around, it's like, what? I can't believe it's been as long as it has. I know. I know. Can you believe we're yeah. on number 200? That's crazy. It's crazy. Anyway. Well, you take good care. Is there, is there anything else you'd like to, to tell our listeners or, or places they can find you? Anything um, along well, those lines? Well, like you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, I've got uh, Trekopedia, and I've been uh, working on that, uh, um, you know, mostly because uh, – the, the role-playing games, I'm trying to get some stuff in there for all the people that I'm playing with to have some reference inform- information for what we're doing in the game, and I'm trying to keep it consistent with everything. Um, and uh, I've been so I've been working on the chronology section mostly uh, recently. Um, but, I mean, I've got a ton of other stuff on there that's uh, been there for a while. I just wish I had, you know, didn't, like a some kind of a time machine so that I could spend more time on everything. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and so that's trekopedia.com. Uh, and I just renewed all of my domains for another couple of years, so we're good. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, good, and then good. my comics, um, like I said, it's on Instagram. Uh, it's the, the number one spot where I post. Uh, that's uh, you know, instagram.com slash bandwidthcomics. Um, and then uh, I, uh, you know, I, I'm on Twitter at Harlander, um, also at Bandwidth Comics. Uh, I post on both. Um, mostly band, uh, the Bandwidth one is mostly retweeting from uh, Instagram, but I post some other stuff on there too sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm on Facebook. I'm on the Babel Conference. I just haven't been able to get as involved in chatting with everyone as I have in the past because I've been so busy. I know what it's like. So, um, Jeff, great catching up with you. Uh, any shot we might see you in uh, Las Vegas this um, coming year? It doesn't look... Yeah. Oh, always seems like you're jetting off yeah. to like Hawaii or that's, some big vacation. Florida, yeah, I think, was the last one. Yeah, last time was Florida, because um, that's right at the same time as my anniversary. And um, One of these days, we're talking about we might do our anniversary in Las Vegas, but probably not this year. All right. Well, if you should convince Megan that that's the spot to go... Uh, your friends and co-workers and co-podcasters will, will all be there. A lot of us will be there for this coming year. We've committed. A lot of us weren't able to make it this last one. So, you know, we can we can help uh, celebrate and, and raise a glass to, to you and Megan. But uh, anyway, great t- – I can't speak. Great catching up with you and talking with you. Like I said, glad you're doing well. Don't be a stranger. 
And uh, let's let's talk well before we hit. <laughs> Sounds good to How's me. That sound? uh, yeah, I kind of fell right back into this. It's uh, really natural. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm yeah having, like a, having a great time, time with it. And uh, uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. I, I hope to talk to you guys again. Yeah, look forward to it, sir. You take good care and uh, best right, to you to too. you and your fam. All right, guys. So, Mike, if people want to find you out there on the internet, where can they find you, man? Uh, you can find me right here on Trek FM doing The Edge and uh, Stage 9. And you can also find me on uh, thenerdparty.com doing Great Shot Kid. And on my website, commentarytrackstars.com doing Commentary Track Stars. And you can find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. All right, great. And what about you, Norm? Well, you can find me podcasting on the Fandom Podcast Network as co-host of Blood of Kings, a Highlander podcast, and our newest show, Discoville, a Star Trek Discovery, and the Orville podcast. And you can find us on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at SoCalSwordFighter and at Starfighter1701. That's my Twitter handle, Starfighter1701. And that's pretty much it for me. All righty. Well, talking about Standard Orbit and all 200 episodes isn't the only thing we'll be doing this week on Trek FM. Here's a quick look at what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, the 602 Club. Oh, huge. Uh, I mean, uh, Tintin, definitely in Europe and in many, many other countries, um, in Africa and Asia, um, is really honestly as big as... James Bond rolled together with Indiana Jones and Superman. The Edge, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. First of all, it very much hinges on the existence of subspace, um, which is also a kind of murky sci-fi term that is used in Star Trek to explain how warp drive works and um, and how you can communicate the orb and and so it, it makes the relationship between uh, nog and Jake really important because it's I think it does really soften Cisco's heart towards the Ferengi and I think it does the same thing for Rom Rom I think begins to see the ways in which these Federation types, actually are different than most Ferengi to kind of think of them. Warp 5. I, I like to talk about these things. They're not easy to talk about. You know, this is not an easy discussion to have because of so much stuff that's going on in our society right now. You know, and what's been going on for years. You know, I, again, that hashtag, the Me Too, like it really opened my eyes, you know, and which is what it was supposed to do. Right? This is exactly what it was supposed to do. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. Be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you'd like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trekfn contact. 
and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trekfm or on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm and of course in the Babel Conference. Type Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trekfm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron on the network on Patreon. If you visit Patreon slash TrekFM, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash TrekFM, you'll find the current goals and different milestone contributions along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details on patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our great associate producers for Standard Orbit. Norman Lau, Tim Robertson, Nick Anastasio, Richard Marquez, and Corey Elrod. Yes, thank you guys so much for your support for both Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Uh, so Ken, if people want to find you out there on the internet... Where can they find you? Hey, you can find me hanging around the Babel Conference and engaging people when I when I have the opportunity. You can also find me on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at BostonSCPO. And we uh, we like to tweet out all our new episode information as soon as we get it, as, lo- as well as our colleagues. So look for me there. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Hold On to Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that Young Superman series from the early 2000s. And you can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit.